Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's Jeremy White and Joe DiBiase. We use the stars for a lot of things. Like, what, navigating? How many times you use the stars for navigating in your life? Make a right turn. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. It means bear right, no. not there. It said right, so take a right. It can't mean that. There's well, a leg there. I think it knows where it is going. This is the the machine knows. This is the Stop yelling at me. No, it's not yelling. There's no leg here. How do I know if I'm going east or west? Never eat salty waffles. N-E-S-W. I can't even just look up. I gotta, like, lean forward to look up through the windshield, be like, oh, is that is that the North Star there? Which means I want to go left of that. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Jeremy White off today. Sal Capaccio is in. Morning, Sal. Did you watch the uh, the All-Star Players draft last night for hockey? No, I didn't. I was there also something going on with the Pro Bowl games? Maybe there was something going there, on everywhere. There last was. Night. I'm like, Wait a minute. I, I did not get to. <laughs> I, I didn't get to any of that. Actually, believe it or not, uh-huh. we watched Press Your Luck in my living room last night. Press that's your. What, that's what our family watched. Press Your Luck. The wait. Press Whammies, Your Luck. No whammies. No whammies. No whammies. No whammies. Stop. Right. The like eighties game show. The new that, version. There. Oh, okay. There's a new version of. Yes. It. Okay. I thought you meant. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's with the Elizabeth Banks. Way. Okay. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks. No, it's on ABC. Like it's a prime time. Elizabeth Banks now is the host, and um, huh. last week it was on, and I had to explain to Yana and Max about when I was a kid and mm-hmm. watched Pressure Luck and what it was all about and the whammies. Remember how Jeremy explained it to you the one day, and yes. the whammy comes out and all that, yes. right? Yep. And I used to watch it too, and I was laughing when Jeremy was explaining it, and I'm like, "Yep, I used to watch this all the time." So they thought, "Oh yeah, that's really cool," and we watched it, and then last night it was on again, and I'm like, "Oh, Pressure Luck is on again." And we watched that. So yeah, that's what we did. I did not watch, sorry, the all-star player draft. So go back to what you were saying. No, I mean, I was, same thing. Like, we were watching a TV show that we've been binge-watching in the last couple of weeks. We've been watching Ozark, by the way, if anyone's interested. Uh, oh, yes. Netflix. Wait, you've never, you've never completed it yet? Never. Had never watched it. Had never dove in. Love it. We're in season four, Where I think. are you in this right now? Like, early okay. season four. A couple episodes it in. Is, it is... A great series. It's a great yeah. series. Jason Bateman's so good it, in the, in this. I mean, oh. they all are, but super into it. But like, same thing. Like, yeah. it's I, I guess it's a Thursday night, so we've had a couple of weeks here in between without anything. You know, no no Amazon Prime Thursday night football games for. It's been about a month, um, even maybe a little bit more than that. So y- you've already gone through your withdrawal on Thursday nights, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you had something. 
last well, night. I mean, you had I, well I for me, for me too. I will tell you, Joe. Before you get to that, yeah. for me, it's last night was. Wait a minute. If there's no, well, there's no Thursday night football, right? No college football. Sometimes you get Tuesday, Thursday Mac action, right? Mac action, yep. and then th- right now this week, last night. No Sabres game, no Syracuse basketball game. That's mm-hmm. why I'm like, all right, what is going on here? Right. All right, press your luck. Let's just land on that. That's that's pr- pretty much where I ended up too. Which which leads me to wonder, like, is is this the is this arguably the worst sports weekend of the year? Not because there's nothing happening. Mm. I mean, you have college basketball. You have I think the NBA still going this weekend. I mean, you have the Premier League if you want it uh, for soccer fans out there, but. You're really getting uh if you're if you're if you're someone that is all in like the it's mostly football and hockey for you because that's the, that's what your city has and then this week shows up and it's the All-Star games and one of them in the Pro Bowl is not even like a real game anymore which might make it more entertaining but right you ask like weren't they doing something at the Pro Bowl games last night I didn't realize Sal, that they they were doing anything until I saw highlights of like Stefan Diggs playing dodgeball which I guess is what they, was going on last night. I don't know. Were they playing dodgeball last night? I don't even know. They I were just playing, thought there yeah. was a. Okay, there was an interview with Baker Mayfield. And I'm like, oh, and he was talking about because I'm wait, I'm like, wait, wait, okay, this has got to be this year. Baker Mayfield wasn't there last year, mm-hmm. so there's something, and that came across like my social media feed. So I was thinking, okay, yeah, this is a uh, it's a tough week. There's not a lot going on. I'm not I'm not big into these all star events and games, and you know, especially I think when. When the Bills are good and they don't get there to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. it kind of even makes it m- even more so I don't want to watch a lot of this stuff, right? Because it's like, I they shouldn't be there. We should be preparing for a Super Bowl. And then, you know, there's, there's only one Saber in this, right? Darlene's the only yep. one in this whole entire All-Star weekend yep. doing anything. So, yeah, even then, Joe, it makes it way less investing for me. You know, I, I'm way less invested in it. But I'm not even super excited about it in any respect, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I've pretty much ended up there myself also. Does everybody go through the same stages for All-Star Games, which is you're a kid and you love them or you at least like are entertained by them enough to want to watch them? And like, oh, look, there's Peyton Manning throwing the ball to Eric Moulds when I'm a kid. And like, that was really cool, I thought. Um, not realizing that the game itself didn't really matter, didn't even didn't care. Like, Bills weren't a playoff team ever. It wasn't upset they weren't in the Super Bowl. It was there's a super good quarterback throwing the ball to my guy. So everyone as a kid think a lot of people like them as all as you know what they are. And then I don't know. Does everyone reach a point where they want to fix them? And then maybe I'm now arriving at a point where it kind of sounds like you are, which is just they are what they are. Just let them exist, and I'm just gonna do something else over here. Mm, probably right, but I mean, I'll even say even more so when I was a kid uh, and getting into like a teenager or whatever, getting into college years, that time period, yes, that was right. And then the Bills go to four Super Bowls, they lose them all, and then guess what happened in those Pro Bowl years? They had three MVPs, the Bills did, in the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Bruce Smith was, I'm looking now, Bruce Smith was the MVP in 87. Jim Kelly was the Pro Bowl MVP in 90, and Steve Tasker was the Pro Bowl MVP in 92. Wow. So, yeah, so the first year, so that. after the Bills lose to the Giants on the kick at the end, like, the, the Pro Bowl was the following year after all the, every year. It was not where it is now, right? It was after the Super Bowl. Right. And, like, literally the week later, Jim Kelly is the MVP of the Pro Bowl. 
And a couple of years after that, the Bills lose the Super Bowl. Steve Tasker is the MVP of the Pro Bowl the week after that. Hmm. So very different from what you got yesterday. I almost feel like I wish I just turned it on just to take a look at it. Uh, and uh, weirdly, the thing that almost got me there was when I saw Bills fans making fun of Tua for finishing in last place in the precision passing uh, yesterday. I don't, wow. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be mean to Tua, but you know, we all have our opinions of quarterbacks, and I'm usually on the uh, the more pessimistic end when it comes to him. He was also, by the way, not not a great day for him. I don't think uh, when it comes to like we're fans trolling him today because not only did he finish last in precision passing, he also was featured in a Paramount mm-hmm. Plus commercial where he didn't have the arm strength to throw something up a hill. So Joe, I I, like, <laughs> I could not believe I'm like, is this real? Right. Like, like I didn't is the ad real? Because yes, I'm watching. I'm like, wait a minute. He says, I don't think I can get it up there, basically. And I'm like, is he making fun of himself? And then and then mm-hmm. uh Picard, what's his name? Um, oh, the uh, actor. Patrick Stewart. Right? Isn't is Patrick in, Stewart, yes. yes. Patrick Stewart. He yes. says to him, not built for the moment, huh? <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, what is going on here? Right, I've got Patrick Stewart make, telling Tua, "You're not I built mean, for the moment." After he I mean, couldn't throw something up a, up a yes. hill. Yeah, you people yeah. gotta go watch this. It's the same. It's the it's one of those Peppa Pig ones. It's the same kind of thing yeah. with Josh Allen and Peppa Pig. And in, in fact, not to spoil it, Peppa Pig makes an appearance here. So, like, yeah, go watch it. And I'm I, I couldn't actually believe that it was real. It's real, mm-hmm. right? It's a, are they actually running this commercial? I I think that, so because yeah, I'm like that's Tua. And there's all these actors and actresses you'll recognize. Yep. It's super weird and cheesy, but it's also funny. But go watch it. And yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't yeah. believe it. I couldn't believe that he signed off on that as agent. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, he must just not care, which he, he will right. say, um, even though other times he'll say he will care. Uh, so I was surprised by that. But anyways, like, I, I thought, like, I was watching some of the highlights of these things. The the precision passing thing I thought was actually like the number one. Like, how good are guys at this? Like, oh, Jalen Hurts, not so good at hitting these moving targets. Meanwhile, Baker Mayfield is just hitting them one after the other, and Geno Smith is hitting them. Um, and the other ones, like, like uh, they got the long snappers involved, I guess, which actually looked kind of cool. Like they were playing a mm-hmm. game. Um, the dodgeball element. I don't know if I needed that part, but. They had a closest-to-the-pin challenge. They were catching punts. Did you see this? This was, I think they called it high stakes. Yeah, high stakes, mm. where they were catching punts, but then they had to hold on to the football, and it was how many punts in a row can you catch while not dropping a football? Like, you have to hold on to all of them at the same time, and at the end you've got a guy oh. holding, like, eight footballs while he's trying to catch a ninth wow. football. So... We're into wow. that. We're into who, that. How are they getting the? How, where are the punts coming from? Like a machine? It's like a. It's one of those. Yeah. What do you call those machines that like shoots the football? Yeah, jugs the machine. The jugs machine. Yeah. So so what about? I remember. Wasn't there a time where they like dropped balls out of a helicopter to see if guys could catch the ball from really high up? That sounds familiar. They maybe even was that like that might have been recent, wasn't it? Um, I th- that might have been recent. That they were getting creative with it, and they were dropping footballs out of a helicopter. I'm looking now, but I don't see anything. I think I, I think it might have. Been. I'm not sure. Actually, to be honest with you, like, so if, as far as talent is concerned, right? That is, yep, part of it. Real. I mean, you're you're going with the entertainment value, but if you just take it from a pure 
pure talent standpoint of, wow, these people are really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. The long snapping thing, like when you can I, – I didn't I didn't watch it. You could tell me what they did, but mm-hmm. I'm thinking right now about precision long snapping. That is super hard. Like it's got to be. you got to be really talented. Mm-hmm. There's been trick shot long snappers. We've seen those guys on you know, YouTube and things like that. And I think the Bills had one. No, the Bills had the trick shot quarterback. But there have been guys who do that. Yep. And you can set things up and they have to hit like target practice. Like, think about how hard that is, snapping a ball between your legs back 10 to 15 yards and knocking, like, a cup off something, right? Like, that to me is – I'll watch that because they're just so good at what they do. Yeah. No, you're so to your point, like, growing up playing Madden, Madden I don't even think had the long snappers in the video game until recently. Mm. So when you were growing up, it was like you had a long snapper position – and usually it would just be whoever your center was. Like, if I played with the Bills in, like, Madden 10, then, like, Eric Wood would have been the long snapper, and he would have been, like, an 85 at it. And then last night, I didn't watch... I only watched some of the highlights of this after the fact, so I did see, like, what the skills competition was for the long snappers, and they were basically... Yeah, they were hitting it into small holes that have different point values on a board that were however far away. There was, like, a golden ball, whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, like, Jason Kelsey tried it. Like, he was one of the participants. And I don't think, like, thinking back, I'm watching it now again, there's, like, a minute on the clock. I don't think he hit anything until there was, like, five seconds left on the clock. Like, he couldn't, he couldn't do it. So... I would speak to you, right? Like, long snapping is not just, hey, you can't just sort of really show up and, and okay. do it. All right, so I actually, have you ever tried it? I've never, maybe once, like, messing around at football practice. Okay, yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking now. I'm going back to see when this was. Five years ago. Five years ago. It would have been uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. We did this. Reed, Reed Ferguson, I have a video. I have a video of Reed. It's a five-minute long video. Reed Ferguson tried to teach me how to long snap. Okay. I'm going to post this. I'm going to put this out on X. I'm going to put this out on Twitter and direct people to it. It's on my YouTube channel. It was. It went horribly wrong for me. It was kind of embarrassing, but also just shows you how hard it is. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I can do this. Like, I've been around football. I'm an athlete. It is not easy. And, like, I'm like, holy cow, how can I not get this right? It was so frustrating. It, it kind of reminds me of, like, golf sometimes where it seems like it should be so easy to make a shot. And you're like, why can't I do this? Yeah. And I just couldn't do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there. You'll see it. And Reed is teaching me how. And we had um, we had a camera crew come and actually shoot it inside the field house from different angles and me trying this. And, and like I said, it was – I'm not even embarrassed to put this out because it's so horribly wrong because I'm like, but – like, who else out there is going to do better anyway? Like, it's one thing if you did it and, like, everybody's like, oh, I can't believe you can't do that. I don't know. Go home and try it. Go to your friend's house and try it. It's not easy at all. Yeah. No, I have a, I have a friend who did was the long snapper on our team in high school, and he will repeatedly remind me that, uh, that like, <laughs> you can't – it's it's a real skill. Like, we'll make fun of him yes. for it, but it's, uh, it's, it's that it's a real skill. Um, and, you know, those guys, those guys definitely prove it. So, anyways, one thing I was thinking of the Pro Bowl games is a long way of getting into, uh, again, watching some Bills fans kind of, you know, poke fun at Tua yesterday on social media. And, you know, like I kind of did the same thing when I watched more so the, the commercial he was in than what happened at the Pro Bowl games last night. But it made me think of the Dolphins in general. And just, I don't know, like, 
all our attention is so focused on how the season ended. But is it right to say or is it right to feel that while we might feel like we're further away from Kansas City than ever because that was supposed to be the worst version of the Chiefs and if you can't get by the worst version of the Chiefs, I mean, inevitably, your feeling on that's going to be like, oh, are we, how are, what the, are we just never going to do it? Like you're, you, ha- you ask yourself that question: Are you just ever going to do it? Mm-hmm. I, I also thought about the Dolphins last night with Tua, and they got blocked. I guess from another guy they wanted to be their defensive coordinator, Chris Shula, um, mm-hmm. got promoted in L.A. They had interviewed Babich. They had interviewed or they wanted to interview Babbage at least. They wanted Shula uh, to be interviewed. I was listening to a Miami-based podcast yesterday where like those were the two guys that it sounded like they wanted to go after, um, more of the inexperience route. And now... I believe he is Mike's son. Mike, I, I think he's Mike's son. Mike is the coach of the Bills, yeah. one of the coaches of the I know Bills. He's, Obviously, he's Don's grandson. I was going to say, I know he's Don's grandson Yeah, um, at the very least. I'll look to make sure, but yeah. Um. So we'll see where they. Oh, end I'm up. sorry. He is Dave's son. My, my, Dave's I just want to make this right. Okay, he's Dave's son. Mike is his uncle. So there you go. So they are nowhere right now with defensive coordinator. We'll see where they end up. They could still end up in a good spot. I mean, Mike Vrabel's out there. I don't think Vrabel's taking a D coordinator job, but we'll see. Um, and then there's Tua. And shouldn't Dolphins fans be feeling the same way about the Bills that the Bills feel about the Chiefs, which is that was supposed to be the worst version of them. And our quarterback stayed healthy for 17 games, and we still couldn't topple them. Like, I wonder if the Bills should be feeling, while, you know, maybe less confident than ever about their matchup of getting to the Super Bowl and beating the Chiefs, if they should feel more confident than ever about the division, because that felt like Miami's. Is it right to say that felt like Miami's best punch? Over the course of a whole season, and the Bills were 6-6 six and six at one point, and they still ended up winning the AFC East? Yeah, I think so. I think if you're the Miami Dolphins, you're a fan of the Miami Dolphins, yeah, you're in the same space that you just said maybe about the Bills and the Chiefs, which is, if I wasn't going to do it this year, when was I going to do it? And it's not necessarily because of the Bills. It's because of your own team. Because I don't know how much better they think they can get, right? Like, they right. have to go through changes now. We talked about this with their window going back weeks and weeks, which is... Like, they've kind of loaded up here. They went out. They got Jalen Ramsey, Tyreek Hill, obviously. They have some big contracts on the books. Uh, Bradley Chubb, his contract, they reworked, they restructured. Yeah. And now, Joe, you think about the injuries they have on defense with Jalen Phillips, with Bradley Chubb, when he's going to come back. Um, yeah, to uh, throw into Tyreek Hill. Like, how much longer can all this last? I think what Waddle's going into his last year, I think, of his contract. But yep. either way, there's a, lot yep. of, there's a lot of decisions coming down the road. Their offensive line... Mm-hmm. Is it going to be easily just completely put together? Like, there's always there's been injuries there. I mean, yeah. Uh, what's the uh, the center? He's been hurt because Eichenberg took over, and his name escapes me now. But you get the point. Yeah. Of they have they have a certain window. So yes, I think while it isn't necessarily the same thing because you're thinking, oh my god, this is the worst version of the Chiefs we've seen. I don't necessarily think the Dolphins are thinking this is the worst version of the Bills. Maybe. I doubt it. But it might be about wow, this was our chance, and we were really good, and we had this great offense. Yeah. And we couldn't do it. And we had the Bills on the ropes, and they were 6-6. Six and six, And yeah. we couldn't punch them out and put them away. Yeah, that's maybe more how I would arrive at, right, like worst version of the Bills might be strong because they ended up, you know, they ended up going to run at the end. They showed that they were 
close enough to the team they've been that they were able to overcome what I think was a three-game lead at one point from Miami. But, right, like, you had them at 6-6 six and six and you still couldn't do it. And you mentioned their cap. That's another thing I was looking at yesterday where, like, okay, what teams are around the Bills? Like, in terms of, like, okay, there's the Chargers, and that makes sense because they have a bunch of monster contracts that aren't that great. And there's the Ravens and the Saints we know about having a bad oh, – oh, the second – less cap space than the Bills. Or what I should really say is more cap space to get rid of – more cap hits to get rid of to get to the cap, uh, f- to, to, like just to get underneath the cap. There's the Dolphins, 31st in the league going into the offseason. And we talk about how it's going to be tough for the Bills to re-sign Gabe Davis. It's going to be tough for the Bills to re-sign Leonard Floyd. I mean, they've got stuff to do just to even get under the cap, and then you've got to figure out a way to sign guys like that. And there's the Dolphins with Christian Wilkins. That needing a contract, and you mentioned Waddle needing a contract. Maybe that one's easier because Waddle's cap hit would get lowered for this year. Uh, there's the decision on Tua. You could do that, but I don't know that you just want to pay Tua on a on a big contract and say, "Well, that's how we're going to get his cap hit lower for this year," because now we're committing to Tua for long term. Jerome Baker, who we all saw how much they missed him in the playoffs when he got hurt against the Bills at linebacker. Uh, Van Ginkle, who really filled in for them nicely on the end. Like they've got Salaton, they've got a starting safety. Um, it's just, it, it's funny that they. You look back on their last two years, they really went all in. Like that yeah, was that's right. That was their mate. I don't want to say their best shot, but it might end up being their best shot because the Chubb deal, the Hill deal, the all of it was kind of designed to get the Bills right away, and all the problems that the Bills have cap-wise with Allen's contract going up, the Dolphins are already at the same position that the Bills are for that, and they haven't even paid their quarterback. No, that's right, and that's why there's another there's a big decision coming at him with Josh. It was a no-brainer. Like, we're going to pay him. The question is how we're going to navigate going forward after we pay him. I think they'll pay Tua. They might not even give him, which could be a benefit for them. They're not going to give him, like, a Josh Allen contract, but they'll pay him, but it's still going to be, you know, a much bigger Cap mm-hmm. hit. Now, now, as I sit here now thinking about all this, Joe, like, I would, I think right now then, after you lay it out and you're right, I think the Jets, because I'm thinking Rodgers is going to come back healthy. Yep. I think the Jets are ahead of the Dolphins now going into next year because that defense was really good. And I know that towards the end of the year, they didn't have a couple good games. Even the Dolphins, you know, they played them really well. The Bills did, obviously, scored some points on them. Other teams did. But you think about the, the Jets, the way they're constructed. And the year they had without Rodgers, mm-hmm. would they win seven games, I think, yeah. without Rodgers? You put Rodgers there, if he's healthy, I'm thinking they may be better than the Dolphins next year. And that was a big debate going into this year. You know, which team, Yeah, uh, could, out, of, out of the three, could either them, any of them beat the Bills and are the, have the Bills slip below them? And some people thought they did. I don't think the Bills are slipping below either of them. But right now, the way I look at it, with a healthy Rodgers, I think I'd put the Jets over the Dolphins heading into 2024. I, I, um, if I pinned one against the other, I might agree with that. I have a lot of respect for McDaniel, but I, I said this yesterday too. I don't know. I'd like for this year, I might agree. It's Jets for me because of the defense and there is the if of what Rodgers will look like. It's a big if. It's an Achilles injury. It's really now. I mean, it's going to be coming up on three years 
since Rodgers, like, if we just keep saying, like, well, if they get MVP-level Aaron Rodgers, then they're going to be, you know, a, a force. But we're going to be going on three years since he looked like that. Um, he was not great with the Packers in 2022. He didn't play at all last year. He's coming up on 41. He'll turn 41 during the season. So, don't get me wrong. There's questions about the Jets also. But for me, on the Dolphins, I think I'm just kind of waiting them out until what I think will happen eventually is if if he's if he's allowed to, you know, that owner's got to be patient enough to do it, and he's, you know, been a little trigger-happy in the past, is McDaniels, Mike McDaniel is going to want to make, I think, at some point, his golf for Stafford trade. He's going to hit a ceiling. He can scheme guys open. Yeah, he point. can use Tyree Kill and Waddle the way he does with motion. He can get guys open for Tua. Tua makes the quick read most often, and it works. But what you saw last year is when you go play the great teams, when you go play the good athletic defenses, look at what Baltimore did to them in Baltimore. Or maybe that game was in Miami. I don't even remember. But either way, look what some of the great teams did to that defense. And I wonder if McDaniel now looks at his quarterback after two years and maybe after a third year and says to his GM, to his owner, this is as far as I can take this guy. It's good. Like, we can be a playoff team. But if you want to win the Super Bowl, I need a quarterback that's going to allow us to do an extra layer of things against the top defenses. And I don't know how – I don't. I'm not confident the Dolphins will be able to overcome that as long as two is their quarterback. So maybe being harsh on them, so, but so what kind of quarterback do they need for that? Because I'm thinking, okay, if you think about the mold you just talked about, it's the it's the Shanahan McVay type of offense, right? Yes. Well, who has succeeded in those offenses? I mean, yeah, Brock Purdy's a little mobile, but he's not like a runner. Right. It is. I mean, it kind of is also what Tua is, which is the more accurate guy. But I know this sounds crazy. Would Kirk Cousins thrive in this offense more than Tua? I am I think he might to say yes. I'm tempted to say yes. He might. Yeah. I really am. I also, we'll get into, we got to take a break, but I'll, I want to get into the Niners a little bit too because we spent so much time. And by time the way, that's not a shot at Tua for me. I think Tua's pretty good. Yeah. I do. I you know do what I mean? Too. Like, I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not saying, oh, you get anybody, go get Kirk Cousins. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there's a certain type of quarterback that fits into that offense that makes it hum more, a little more, right? Yes. Makes it go. And that might be it. So, I, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. You, you were saying something there, but I just, I, I'm not trying to bash Tua when I say that, but if you're looking for the McVay-Shanahan type of quarterback, mm-hmm. that, like a Cousins, like that guy, you're talking about Purdy, you're talking about Garoppolo going to a Super Bowl, right. you're talking about you know, you know Stafford on his last legs but doing what he's doing. Well, let's get let's get into that because we spend, and we, we have a week still to do it because it's the Pro Bowl stuff this weekend and it's the Super Bowl next weekend, but we spend so much time on like the Chiefs element of being in the Super Bowl. I do want to touch on like what it would mean for the Niners and Purdy to win the Super Bowl because Purdy will get put in this same category as Tua. Um and I, I do want to get to like why to me it is different or even if it works for the Niners why, you know, you've kind of got to have everything to go perfectly. I want to get to that. Belichick gets blocked. Dan Quinn is the head coach of the Commanders, so no Belichick. As a head coach in 24, I want to talk about that as well. It's also Senior Bowl week. My brother, Lou DiBiase, is going to join us at 8. He is down there at the Senior Bowl. I'm also, 
We reached out to Mike Giannitti from Spot Track. We'll see if we can make that work for later in today's show. So get into some of the Bills cap stuff maybe later on too. But Lou's going to join us at 8 uh, from the Senior Bowl on uh, some of the prospects, and especially the, uh, the wide receivers, of course, that are uh, that are doing well down there. Time out here, 8030550 is the phone number. Get your phone calls when we return. It is Jeremy and Joe. Jeremy's off today. Sal is in, and this is WGR. got to talk. And that's generally not a good thing when your coach tells you you got to talk. Like, all right, what's up? And he's like, uh, I think our third string quarterback's our best quarterback. I'm like, okay. I'm like, what does that mean? We've invested in Trey. Like, Trey's doing a good job. Like, we're going to do everything that we can. We're not going to change that. And we're not going to change the chart, the depth chart. But, like, I think Brock will end up being our quarterback at some point. One thing that owners don't love to hear when they've invested money and or draft picks or both into people that the last pick in the draft is the guy that we think is the best. That's that's generally not great news. But when Brock took over last year, like I think we had a calm about us, but there was a sense that like nothing catches you by surprise. That is Jed York. Jed York of the San Francisco 49ers, the uh, CEO. I don't know if is he technically the owner also. Uh, CEO of the team. He might also be officially the owner. Um, yes, he at least has you know part ownership. So, anyways, that's him on Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan coming to him during training camp of Purdy's rookie year. So last year's training camp, and saying that he thinks that Purdy's our best quarterback right now. Remember, they went into that year with Trey Lance as the starting quarterback. He broke his ankle. Garoppolo came in, then he got hurt. Purdy came in, and then they've really—they've uh, never looked back. That—that that has got to be something. It, he even kind of said it there, Sal. That it's not necessarily the first thing you want to hear as an owner if your coach comes in and says, "Hey, I think our third-string quarterback that we picked in the seventh round is our best quarterback." <sighs> but hey, that's right. He ended up being right, I think. All right. So, yes or no question. You ready? Yep. Is Brock Purdy a system quarterback? I'm, what do you think, Joe? I think he is. I think he is. I um, he's a he's a. I, there's nothing wrong with this. I think too often this gets labeled as an insult, um, and okay. for some guys maybe it is more than others. I think he's a good game manager. That that's it. I think he's a good game manager. Ooh, and Alex in, Smith would not. Alex Smith would not be happy. With I know. You. I heard. Did you I see heard, his thing on I that? Did, I did. He was very. He he said he's not allowed in, and he's he the, said he said as the president of the yeah. Of the is game he the manager. president, they say? Yeah, of the, the game, game manager's club. club. He's not allowed in. It was great. That's a great line, by the way, yeah. from Alex Smith. That's the president of the game manager's club. He's not allowed in. He showed these throws. He's like, that's not a game manager throw. But, okay, like, just because you're a – you're right, I agree with mm-hmm. you. Just because you might be a game manager doesn't mean you can't make some really nice throws. But you are making right. sure that you don't screw the game up, right? right? I mean, they don't – they ask Purdy to not screw the game up, kind of. They're not asking him to win. The, he's not carrying the team necessarily. Right. Like, there's a lot of other weapons. He's getting the ball to the people who can carry the team. I mean, it's, you know, the Bills, you watch Josh Allen, and what do we talk about sometimes on a Monday morning? Boy, if Josh didn't put the cape on, the Bills lose. Mm-hmm. Do you really talk about Purdy like that ever? Not really. It's funny, though, he did kind of have that game last week, didn't he? 
Yeah. Like or was it against half. the Packers or last week? But Maybe last week. week in the second half. Packer yeah. game. Packer game. He was not good. Um, That's right. That's right. It, yeah. The second half of the Jordan Lions Love game, was. it was a little bit of put the cape yeah, right. on. But that was one half of it, and you know the Lions were good. Don't I don't want to take all the credit away, but that defense was not. It was the worst of the four defenses remaining um, of the four teams. And really, what's funny is Alex Smith said he's not allowed in. I kind of think of Alex Smith as the best comparison for Brock Purdy because they make throws. They when they're surrounded by a lot of talent, it, it, they win a bunch of games. They can make a big throw here and there, and they're not Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. But this was Alex Smith too. Make some plays with his legs. Maybe Smith made a little more with his legs happen than than Purdy did. Smith, I'm looking now, had like a year where he ran for like 400 yards, uh, 500 yards even. I don't know that Purdy will ever do that. But I kind of think of him as an Alex Smith-type player. So, again, I don't want to be critical and call him a game manager and let that be like I don't believe in him as a quarterback. Um, I just think he has the benefit of being surrounded by the best combination of offensive coaching, offensive linemen, and weapons that anyone has seen in the league maybe in multiple years. Okay, so I I agree with you. I, I look at it a little different in this situation than I do a lot of other situations when we talk about game managers or system quarterbacks, okay? It's 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 kind of a almost like a reverse. So this this particular team, the San Francisco 49ers, their system they run. Kyle Shanahan, we see McVay, but let's say McDaniel. I think Shanahan and McDaniel are very similar like what I'm about to say, which is so even even the Niners, Joe, what did they do a few years ago? They said all right, we got to go out and get like our Josh Allen. We're going to go out and draft a guy that you, we're going to take this offense even to the next level, right? They go out and draft Trey Lance. They give up a whole bunch of stuff. Now, maybe Trey Lance just stinks. I don't know. I don't happen to think he does necessarily. I know he got hurt, but he could not do. It. He couldn't beat out Brock Purdy. He mm-hmm. couldn't do. He couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Th- this this particular offense kind of does hold back. I think the. Unbelievable, athletic, big arm, do everything crazy quarterback because you don't want them to. You want the quarterback in this system to highlight everyone around them, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be the way to kind of put yeah. it the way you just did a yes. little while ago? That's what I think. So, so that's why you just said a little while ago about McDaniel and Tua. Joe, even if McDaniel said, he goes to the Chris Career and he says, look, I can, I've, this got quarterback's taken us far enough. I got to go out and get somebody else. So I don't know, like, you, you can, yeah, Josh Allen's special, right? Mm-hmm. But if they draft their Trey Lance, they draft a guy who has all these special traits. I don't know if it works. I don't know if it works because you're not asking the quarterback to do that in these systems. You're asking yeah. the quarterback to do what Tua's basically been able to do very efe- efficiently and effectively. Yeah. You're asking what Brock Purdy's been able to do very effectively and efficiently. That it's almost holding back the quarterback position in these systems, if that makes sense. It, it, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I think they're like Lance is tough for me because I liked the prospect, and we only got to see two games really of him, and one was in a monsoon. Like mm-hmm. really, what you have to go on, and I mean, Jed York just kind of said it is the Niners saw camp and. They might have even liked Lance and Camp, but they didn't like him as much as Purdy. They they liked Purdy mm-hmm. more. They thought Purdy looked better. And I remember mm-hmm. when they traded Lance at the beginning of the year, Shanahan, or maybe it was Lynch, maybe Lynch said this, um, John Lynch, their, G, their general manager, that when Lance was going in, 
they had made adjustments to the offense. It wasn't the same offense. There was more of a vertical element to it. Right. There was more, you know, rolling the pocket, more quarterback power stuff to utilize his legs. And then when he got hurt and Purdy came in and it went really well, they went into the next training camp and Purdy was kind of the front runner. So basically what Shanahan did was like tell Trey Lance, we're not really going back to that offense that was designed around your strengths. We're running the offense we always have under Garoppolo, Mm -hmm. and we're going to give you your shot to win it, but you're going to have to win it in this style of offense. And that's when Purdy, I think, really put put his, his, his foot down and said, this is my team now, because it was an offense more designed for his traits. I think if it doesn't have to go this way, it wouldn't have to work. There, Lance is an example of it didn't. But there are other examples where I think you see that Shanahan offense, you see those style of offenses. I think Stafford is a good example of this. I think Matt Ryan is. And those guys are not Allen. Those guys are not even mobile. All I mean is, like, just give me one more added element of... Give me a quarterback that can make the, with the big arm that can make some big throws down the field that can do a little bit more off structure because Stafford's one of those guys where he doesn't you know scramble around and th- make throws off structure like that but there'll be a, a play where everybody's covered and he'll laser a throw into a spot he'll throw a guy open just with his pure arm talent that I don't really think guys like Brock Purdy are fully capable of. Like, that's where I stop short with Purdy. It's not even just the mobility. It's why is he a game manager for me? Like, there are throws that I think Matthew Stafford can make that even Matt Ryan was able to make with Shanahan in Atlanta where I don't know that he can do it. I I don't, again, I'm still kind of, though, up in the air on him because we are only into year two. I I, I don't want to completely, I'm not... I hope it'll come off as oh my god it's so like it's so easy for the quarterback it might it, it is it is easier but also how do I want to say this I okay Matt Ryan was amazing for a year in the system he was the league MVP right. in that system in 2016 his numbers were unbelievable yeah. by the way you go back and look he threw 70% and close to 5000 yards yeah. I'm looking right now Joe 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions for Matt Ryan. Yeah. Like, if you get the right quarterback for that system, it can be unbelievable, outstanding. Look what Ryan did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can highlight the quarterback and have him have these great years. But you also, I think, you are putting restrictions on certain quarterbacks if you play in that system. And and, mm-hmm. and that's why I think, like, when you say if, if McDaniel wants to move on from Tua, they have to be careful the kind of guy they want to get. He might take him to a ceiling, but he's actually really good for that system. Tua is, yeah. and I don't. I, I'd be weary if I'm a Dolphins fan of. Okay, well, you know what? He's taken as far as we can go. Let's go draft the next guy. Let's go trade for a Justin Fields, and I'm using that because all the athleticism. He's so much more mobile. Like it does. It's not going to work with a lot of those guys, even though those guys may have the traits that are off the charts and be really good at else, elsewhere. Do you think if the Niners win, it will be? seen as it won't be like you know you hear copycat league a lot I don't think I don't think a lot of teams are going to go well now I could just put my seventh round quarterback in there and I just got to no, play caller right. and that's it but do you think there will be any takeaway of like justification for those types of maybe maybe the coaches will be the ones that really get the credit right like 
Right. Because I don't know, like, will the Dolphins feel more vindicated to keep going with Tua if they see the Niners with Purdy win the Super Bowl? Yeah, for sure. But I think the Dolphins are already motivated to do that. I mm. I mean, they have this decision coming up in his fifth year. I just can't believe they're going to move on. It's, they, I think they know they ha- this has to work for a couple more years at least. I think that the Dolphins at least figure it's got to work for a couple more years. We've got to make an investment here. But you're right. It's a good question. I'm looking at Shanahan's coaching tree, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Dan Quinn is a part of it. That's, you know, this is always is tough it? to do because guys who worked with them. Um, didn't, let's didn't, see who wait, else. Wait, wait, wait. Shanahan worked under Quinn, though, didn't he? Uh, that's right. That's the reverse. Okay. I'm looking at the reverse say. here. Um, who else? Oh, here we go. Man. Jeff Halfley, who's now, oh, didn't Jeff Halfley just get hired by somebody? A uh, defensive coordinator. That's right. He went to Boston College. Now he's Robert Sala, defense. Mike yeah. McDaniel. and Demi- So really, he's got nobody on offense. D'Amico Ryans is in Houston now. These are all defensive guys. Yeah. So nobody on offense yet. But that's where I think you'd see it, Joe. What I think would happen is, over the next couple of years, you're going to see a little bit like the McVay effect a few years ago, but nothing to the degree of it. But yeah. if even now with them getting to the Super Bowl, but if they do win the Super Bowl, I think you'll see teams going, hey, you know what? Get someone from that tree who knows how to do this because, you know what, if we can do it without spending the world on quarterbacks, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Not, you're not drafting a seventh rounder, but we don't have to have the Josh Allens of the world or the Patrick Mahomes of the world, and we're going to be really good anyway. Yeah. R- real quick before we take a timeout on that, McDaniel is the one offensive guy on the Shanahan tree that has a head right. coaching job right now because, right, defensive, you got uh, D'Amico Ryans, you have Robert Sala, you've got a couple over there. For McDaniel, like I wonder what he thinks about this because you just said it. The benefit of what the Niners have right now is Shanahan's system can maximize a quarterback that you're only paying a million dollars to in Brock Purdy. It allows you to pay Christian McCaffrey sixteen million and Debo Samuel twenty million, and mm-hmm. you, they'll That's be exactly right. they'll be able to play pay Brandon Ayuk this offseason to be able to pay George Kittle top tight end money to pay. Go, let's go get Trent Williams at left tackle for all this millions of dollars. You're allowed to do that because of your quarterback. McDaniel knows time's up on Tua's contract. You don't get that benefit with Tua. I can't do what the Niners do fully because their quarterback costs them $1 million, and my quarterback on an extension is going to cost me what, 40 48 Like, it's going to be right. a lot. Time out here. If you're on hold, stay there. There was a big trade in baseball last night, so we can, we can get you in on that if we want. Uh, I want to talk Belichick at some point in the 7 o'clock hour, so stay tuned for that as well. And if you've got a thought on this. Also, i got a question for everybody on Twitter that we'll tackle a little bit later. It's All-Star Weekend, NHL, and the Pro Bowl as well. I want to know when All-Star Games peaked for you. Guessing it was when you were a kid. But I've got my answer, and I want to hear yours as well. Stay tuned. Jeremy and Joe. Jeremy's off today. Sal's in. This is WGR. to the phone lines get connected with our fans brought to you by Northtown Kia shop online at northtownkia.com Jeremy and Joe but Jeremy's off today he'll be back on Monday sales in Jared in Erie is up next hey Jared Alan Joe uh I hope you guys are having a great morning love the show and the work you both do thank you sir thank you I just wanted to provide a little on the and Madden thing, mm-hmm. reason. 
system to figure out long snappers in Madden. So long snappers are listed as 42 overall tight ends. Yes. Now now they are. I know when I was a kid they weren't even in the game, but now they are, yeah. Overall. But uh, the main reason I called was mm-hmm. opinion on the Corbin Burns trade. Do you think he's personal? He is an Orioles fan. I am over the moon. Mm-hmm. Hey Jerry, I think we're 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 losing you kind of yeah. every now and then, but I think we got the uh, we got the question. I took it because I know Brian Cozio's an Orioles fan, and Sal, I heard your yeah. I heard in your voice a little bit yesterday when we had Jeremy Kahn from Baltimore on about um, how good the Orioles might be uh, looking, and then they did that last night. Okay, so it's so funny, Jared. I'll tell you the story. Last night, I see on social media Corbin Burns traded, and. My son is a big baseball fan, and he collects cards, and he watches baseball. And he had mentioned the name Corbin Burns to me recently about something. I think he got a card of him or something. He was very excited. So, Joe, this true story. So it's funny Jared called about this because I said, hey, Max, Corbin Burns just got traded to the Orioles. And he did one of those, what? What? <laughs> like, he's so good. What did they get? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know, a couple prospects. Dad, that is a horrible trade. What is going on? Like, he was mad, Joe. He's so mad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, man. Like, I, yep, I get it. The, or, the, the, the Orioles are going to be better now, but there you go. That, Jared, there's a reaction from, uh, someone who knows because, yeah, I know he's a really good player and, um, and I know that I don't think they gave up much in return, but yeah, that was, that was the reaction last night in my house. It was one of those, what did they give up? Are you kidding me? Because he doesn't understand the dynamics and the financials and things like that. Mm-hmm. To him, it's just, how could you trade that player for, mm hmm. A couple pieces, basically. And now Sal's got to watch his son grow up with the looking up at the Orioles. The yes, Baltimore I know. Orioles of all teams. <sighs> Amazing. 8030550 is the phone number. If you're on hold, stay there. We'll get to you. Uh, when we come back, when did All-Star Games peak for you? I've got my answer. I want to hear Sal's answer, and I want to hear your answer. So give us a call. We'll go through some tweets as well. Jody Biasi, Sal Capaccio, Hour 2, back after this on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Wait, where are you going next? You have two picks in a row. I think we need uh, a defenseman. Yeah, there's, on, there's only a handful of them here. Right. We're going to go with Rasmus Dahlin. Oh, filthy. Ah. Nobody breaks ankles like Rasmus Dahlin at the blue line. This guy is like a young Allen Iverson. He is filthy. He'll join a strong offensive juggernaut right now. Yeah, he's a, he's a player that uh, is just getting better and better as he's going. He's having kind of a physical element to his game. Obviously, offensively, he's, he's as gifted as you'll see on the back end. And, uh, he's just a great player. I mean, that's why, that's why we picked him. <laughs> The NHL All-Star Draft last night. Joe, two things. Number one, that mm-hmm. is great. The Allen Iverson of the blue line. Mm-hmm. Right? Who yeah, was that? Was not, that Bissnett uh, talking? Was, that was Butchagross. I don't, I don't think I've ever that heard him described as that. But <laughs> That was great. I'm like, wait a minute. Wow, that's great. Joe, do you know? If you wanted to take the hour-and-a-half trip up to Toronto tonight Mm -hmm. for NHL skills competition, do you know how much tickets are going for in the secondary market? Would you like to guess? They're going for $123 is my guess. One, two, three. Okay, if you wanted two tickets, I I went to Ticketmaster, I put in a query of two tickets. You will not find anything for less than $400 a ticket. Wow. Now, I, I shouldn't say that. There are actually like four different pairs that are less than 400, but there's okay. one straggler out there for like 270 a pair. Mm-hmm. Then there's a few for like 320 or 350, and then everything is at least $400 a ticket. That's that shouldn't be that much. That shouldn't be that much. Although Toronto's notorious for tickets being so expensive. It's why the Leafs fans come down here and take over the building. Right. Uh in a big way. 400 though to watch 400 a ticket. If you want to go to the game, most are at least three twenty to three fifty a ticket. So the skills competition is more expensive than than the game, the, the game itself. Oh yeah, I would or rather. Games, wouldn't you? Really, say. you'd. Ra- I'd rather go to the skills competition. Mm, what would I rather? Go this to? is on the heels of your question you've been yeah. asking this morning. I have no interest in the game and what they do now with everything. Like, there's. Yeah. It's not. It doesn't resemble like hockey the way I like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I do. I think the skills competition would be way cooler to go to. I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I think I probably should agree with that, right? Like you're because you're also getting to see something different. You're not going to be frustrated by the lack of effort because it's not game. You can't really not try, right? right? Like that's right. You, you're not going to not try in the hardest shot competition. They're going to try to shoot it as hard as possible. Um. All right, so I think I would I would get there. Skills competition, yeah, would be better. It's probably shorter, also, wouldn't it be? Probably like yeah, a, probably. I think it like starts at seven. You're probably done in a couple hours. Um, I mean, the All Star Game itself, like the NHL All Star Game, there's so much scoring. Yes, I know people. Oh, you love goals and all that. It just gets mm-hmm. to the point of a ridiculousness. They're just scoring goals left and right, and you can't stop anybody. You can't hit anybody. It. I don't know. It's it's a reason why we. 
Mm. The last few years, I've said, like, football, especially at the college level, like, come on. Like, it's way too easy to score. Can we start stopping people? And I really like – I actually think that this past year has been a nice little bit of renaissance in defensive football and strategy again on the defensive side. Even in college, not as much, but in the mm-hmm. NFL for sure, we've had down down scoring. I'm not Mister. Oh my God, let's let's love every ten seven game, mm-hmm. but it got a little ridiculous in football where we were going, and I I just think like that's like the all star game to me because there's, there's no defense, doesn't matter, it's just guys scoring. You're not really trying too hard. The goalies they're not going all out to make sure they make every stop. You know what I mean? Yeah, they um they had it right, I thought, or they had it going well. All leagues, I thought, like maybe five years ago, five to like seven years ago, they were adjusting things. I think the, the just to run through like some of the All Star games, the NHL switched to three on three, and I think the mm-hmm. idea was, well, there's no, you can't not try because you'll get you'll get seen. It'll be so obvious, it'll be so <laughs> right. ridiculous. And I think the first year they did that, it worked. I think the players were trying harder. But as a couple years have gone by, I think it's regressed back to where it was before. I think the NBA had the same thing. That was more natural. I remember there was an all-star game where LeBron and Steph said, we're going to be the leaders on this. Like, they were the captains or whatever. We're going to be the leaders on this. We're going all out. And the we're going to make the guys look bad if they don't follow us. And LeBron and Steph went all out, and everybody followed them, and it was like a really good basketball game. And then, same thing. Two years went by, three years went by, and they're right back to, like, it just, everyone's just got open dunks. And football, also the same thing. Do you remember, there was, it's one of the most incredible football plays you'll ever see. Just like, because it's in the Pro Bowl also. Lorenzo Alexander intercepts a pass at the Pro Bowl. Josh is nodding. He knows what I'm talking about. And he starts running back the other way. He laterals it to Akib Talib, who is sprinting down the field. And Kirk Cousins, going a million miles an hour, comes out of nowhere, slaps the ball, and there's like a big pile up. Like that was another game where there was like a threat. We're going to get rid of the Pro Bowl if you guys don't start trying. The players started trying. Same thing. Two years went by, and everybody stopped trying. So I thought there was. Isn't the- I, I thought it was about to be fixed, and then everything went back to the way it was. Is it the like gold standard of guys hitting in the Pro Bowl, the Sean Taylor against Brian Mormon play? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's like the <laughs> oh, my yes. God. Someone oh, my God. someone just sent along to me. You tell me if this is the way it used to be with that, because I even thought back in the day it was like, you know, at least watered down a little bit. Um I tweeted out the, our question, like, when did yep. All Star Games peak for you? And I think for most people this is going to be when you were a kid. Like I picked the two thousand seven NHL All Star game. Because I'm 12 years old, and it's it's Briere, Lindy, Ryan Miller, and Brian Campbell that were all at the All Star game, and I tweeted that out, and someone replied to me with like their favorite was like the '86 NHL All Star game, and they sent me a highlight of Mike Ramsey at open ice taking down Wayne Gretzky, and I'm wow. watching this like. Uh, is there about right to be now, a brawl that starts? Like, I mean, it's not like the most egregious hit ever, but open ice hit on Wayne Gretzky in the All Star game, and I can't even fathom if like somebody tomorrow, Sal, like just took out McDavid's legs, like in the middle of the All Star game. 
Yeah, he kind of gives him a little bit of a hip check at the blue line, right? That's kind of as yeah. he's going over there. Yeah. By the way, the reason I love it, you know me, I love Mike Ramsey. Put yep. number five up, yep. right? Put number five up in the rafters, you know that. I mean, he's he's the guy that needs to be up there next. Um, that's why I love this. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there was some hitting that went on back then. There was a time period where they did NHL All-Stars against uh, the Russian teams. Like, they had this, yes. this series, right? Remember that? The Summit Series. Um, yep, yep th- that's right. Th- they, they've done a lot of different things. If I think of different All-Star games, they might have peaked, for me to use your word there, at different times. You know, for the NFL, though, for the Pro Bowl, I know it sounds weird. It's not even, like the last few years, maybe 10 years ago, you're like, okay, there, nobody's tackling or doing anything. Like Then it just right. became ridiculous to even think about it. But for me, it's the uniforms. I remember when, yeah. like, for the, the best part about the Pro Bowl for me was looking at the different helmets on the field. And everybody's wearing a different helmet but the same jersey. And you had the red and the blue. Mm-hmm. Or you had the white and the blue or the white and the red, whatever it was back then. And I went through and I scrolled through some of the old uniforms on a, 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 a web page I saw. It had like a Pro Bowl uniform history. I think it was Bleacher Report had one a while back. And I'm like, yeah, see, look at that. There's It says American. It says national. And they were a team, but they had these different helmets on. Same thing for baseball. What gets me about baseball now is, correct me if I'm wrong, they all wear kind of the same jersey now on the same team in baseball, yeah. whether you're American or national. It used to be the best part about the baseball all-star game was the different uniforms for each team. Mm-hmm. If you were if if the game was played at a National League park, all the NL players would wear their home jerseys. All the AL players would wear their away jerseys. And then vice versa. That was what was cool about it, and I loved it. And then, of course, we had that stupid rule about whoever wins it gets the home field in the World Series because they want to make it matter more because by then it was already it already jumped the shark, right? I mean, what are we doing? Um, I think the baseball all-star game can still be really good because, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's baseball, and there's, there's not yeah. a lot of tinkering with the game per se. But that was always what did it for me for all-star games was the uniforms. The uniform that I like the most from all-star game history is actually one that I wasn't even alive for, which is the Campbell Conference, the Wales mm. and Campbell Conference, like those orange mm. diagonal lettering uniforms that like I've I've got a I've got Gretzky in them probably in Lemieux, um, Iserman, same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the NHL All Star Game uniforms in recent times I've hated. Although I will say I love them this year. Have you seen them this year? I haven't. They are. I think it's because they they are trying to look a little bit of. It's like a combination of old school and new school. Like they actually even I read the like why they designed them that way and maybe this is why they tried to emulate like the early '90s, late '80s uh, uniforms, but with like different colors. Josh is shaking his head. He does not agree. You don't like them? <laughs> Justin Bieber designed them. I I don't like them at all. I, I just I, I don't like the 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 word or the nameplate on the bottom of. I don't like it. It's not my style. All right. The nameplate on the bottom is weird. I, I won't uh, I won't disagree with you there. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. Can I get one more thing in here about yeah. this? I mean, it's been since nineteen seventy eight that Buffalo hosted the NHL All Star Game. Yeah, it's been since nineteen seventy eight. I, I I know we we talk about what events we can hold here in this city. Mm-hmm. Can we get an All Star Game here at some point? I mean, it's been since nineteen seventy eight. It's Buffalo, New York. We're close to Toronto. We're close to the border. It's a, it's, I know, I know the Sabres aren't that good. It's a hockey city, right? We love our hockey mm-hmm. here. I know that there's a lot that goes around, on with all these events. 
even we talk about, well, we can't even host an NFL draft with the, the, yeah, let's do it. Let's figure out a way. Can we do it? I'd love to see that. 1978, Joe, since the last time Buffalo held an all-star game. We're not talking about a Super Bowl here. We're not talking about all the pomp and circumstance and thousands and thousands of hotel rooms. All right. I, I, can, can we try and do that? You're right. I would love to see it happen. I think it would be a cool event to host. They get the draft every once in a while. Why not the All-Star game? I think um, what you've seen recently, and I'm trying to remember when this got talked about. Was it in Columbus, maybe? There was a year where a bunch of guys were skipping, and there were comments from players that were basically, I would have bet you'd be more likely to go or you'd have more people going if you can if you kept the all-star games in warm weather climates. Like basically you have players deciding, do I want to go on vacation with my family for a week in the middle of the season in the Bahamas or do I want to go to Edmonton in the middle of January when it's going to be, you know, 3 feet of snow. And they're more likely to say yes if you put the all-star Where is game it this in year? sunrise. Now right, that's the thing. It's in Toronto this year. Are so, you getting a bunch of people bowing out? I don't. You're not this year. You're not right. Not this year. You're not. So I, I, I don't think you'd get that as much in Buffalo. I think, that just my own perception of of, of this. Mm-hmm. You're so close to Canada, the border. Toronto's right there. I think players would not feel that same way here in Buffalo, and they could have. You'd be easier for you know some of the Canadian players uh, accessible for people to come down and see them and. Things mm-hmm. like that. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I don't see this mass exodus every year. I mean, yes, there are some players who do that, and maybe you'd get one or two. Yeah, no, that's right. But I, I think Buffalo would be a good location for that. Yeah. I also wonder about, like, the arena itself. Arena right, upgrades. Right, I know. That, is, that, is, that is probably something that needs to happen first. But also, it's out there that that's going to be happening. There was a there was a story, I think, by Tim Graham before the season that, like, that this, it's on its way. So, maybe in a couple years. Um, because, right, it's been... It's it's been thirty five years since that more than that more than that jeez it's been forty forty five years since the All Star Game was here eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number I want to touch on something else um, that you mentioned a little bit ago in this segment about defense having a little bit of a renaissance this year mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. NFL mm-hmm. would you attribute the reason that six of the eight Coach hirings were defensive, kind of to that that same thinking, because the trend lately in past years has been offense, 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 with so few defensive coaches. And this year was kind of the other way, where you had Raheem Morris, you had um, you had Mike McDonald, like you kind of had the defensive coordinator, you know, more than ever, more than at least in recent years, getting those head coach jobs. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, so this year, Raheem Morris, defense, right? Yeah. So, uh, defensive guy. Dave Canales' is offense. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, I mean, come from Michigan, offense, but I don't know. Yeah. Either way. Ger- Gerard Mayo's defense. Mike McDonald's defense. Antonio Callahan's, Pierce. Callahan's offense. Dan Quinn's defense. Antonio Pierce's defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. I do. I think... I think there's two things happening here. Um, yes, that's part of it. Where there's this bit, there's this renaissance of defense. I want to call it that. So a lot of the people who are doing that or involved in that are going to have some of the better numbers. And you're going to look and who are the hot coaches? Ooh, look what they've done. Look at the look at how their defense has really stepped up. And you're going to go to that. I also think it might be a response to how do I stop this guy? How do I stop Patrick Mahomes? How do I stop Josh Allen? How do I stop Joe Burrow? How do I stop these offenses? They're okay. Get me the young defensive mind mm-hmm. who can do something like that. So I think there's probably some sort of shift to that as well, where owners are thinking, okay, if I don't have the guy, how do I stop the guy? Look at my division. What do I do there? So, but look, I, I don't want to go really far with that because I always believe that, and I know that teams don't. You can always draw lines between, oh, they had an offensive coach, now they want a defensive coach. I get that. It does happen sometimes. There's no doubt. Different culture, different lens. You want to look and you want something new. But I've always said this. You know this, Joe, and I believe this. A good coach is a good coach. It doesn't matter if you're cut from offense or defense. You're Mm -hmm. You're a leader of people. You're a CEO. You're a good coach. It doesn't matter to me. When, and you brought up many times, how many offensive minded coaches are left in the playoffs or how many defensive minded coaches are left. To me, it doesn't matter. Like it that that speaks nothing to me other than like where they came from, and it might even mean because there's just more of those people there. Like the mm-hmm. last several years, we've had more offensive coaches remaining in the playoffs and defensive, but I think we just have more offensive coaches anyway in the NFL that are head coaches. So it's going to happen. It's the math that how it works out. It's about being a good leader. It's about being a good coach overall. And if you're a good owner and and you're an owner who understands this, I don't think it should matter which side of the ball someone comes from. Now, I do respect the argument of if you have a defensive coach, you might have to change out your offensive coordinator more often. I understand that, and I respect that. But that should not be a barrier to me mm-hmm. to hiring the best person available. And if that person comes from defense, then so be it. You hire a defensive guy. I don't think the Seattle Seahawks, for example, are saying, and they shouldn't say this. It would be the wrong way to think. Mm-hmm. Seattle Seahawks should not say, we can't hire Mike McDonald because if we get a franchise quarterback, we're going to have a different offensive coordinator every few years. Well, wait a minute. If Mike McDonald's the best coach, then hire the guy. That's what you do. You hire the best person available. I do think, to your point about how teams can operate in this regard, the commanders yeah. just kind of proved, at least for them, that that's how they treated it because, by all indications, they wanted Ben Johnson. Yes. And 100%. They they were going all out. They waited, right, till the Lions season was over. They interviewed him multiple times. Like they wanted Ben Johnson, who is the bright young offensive play caller. And then when he said, "Yeah, I'm going to stay in Detroit." Where'd they end up? They ended up at an older not you know, and he's not quite, you know, Pete Carroll uh in terms of like in his 70s, but they hired a veteran defensive coach in Dan Quinn, like which couldn't be more polar opposite from the guy that they were about to hire. So the commanders at least prove that what you're saying is definitely real in the league. And now, right, like you're getting back to a point where I I wonder too, like I wonder if teams were starting to work towards, all right, I'm afraid to hire the defensive guy because 
Everyone is scoring. There is no stopping mm-hmm. Mahomes. There is no stopping Burrow. There is no stopping Josh Allen. The only way to beat them is I got to outscore them. That's it. And I wonder if teams saw this year a, a glimpse of, oh, wait a minute, I can stop them. I, I might not have thought that was true two years ago. I might have thought the only way to beat the Chiefs is to beat them 40-35. to 35. And now I have some evidence that I can keep them in check. They only scored 21 a game this year. The Bills' mm-hmm. offense was down this year. The Well, I guess Burrow got hurt, so you don't want to count them. But so many teams were down in the dumps offensively. Now I have evidence that I can hire, you know, whatever I want. I don't have to be, you know, tunnel vision on I can only go offense because it's kind of a death sentence for me if I go defense. If I have to change my coordinator all the time and I have instability there, I don't have continuity with my franchise quarterback year after year. Like, I still would lean that way, no doubt. Like, if I were ever wanting to see, you know, if the Bills ever fired Sean McDermott years from now, then and they went through a coaching search, I would personally want them to go offensive. But it's not as egregious, I think, anymore after the year we just saw where, like, you know, who who just did this? The the the, the Seahawks hire Mike, Mike McDonald. And I could listen to, after seeing last year, if this guy can stop a Patrick Mahomes, then, you know, then I think he's deserving of being in head coaching circles. Yeah, I mean, the Bills went from defense to defense, right? They went from Rex Ryan to Sean McDermott. Yes, yeah. Seattle Seahawks, like you said, you go from Pete Carroll to Mike McDonald, but you're just you're getting a younger Pete Carroll, I guess, right? That's what you want. You want the next guy who you think is a really good leader, even though he's on the defensive side. It is interesting for sure, and I don't know. I, I you know, you, you'd get a window into some of these owners and how they feel. It was clearly a few years ago. Get me the next Sean McVay. I mean, everybody. Yes. If you had yeah. dinner with Sean McVay, you were hired as a head coach. I mean, that was just yeah. you know, you walk by the guy, you bump into <laughs> Cliff, his shoulder, Cliff, walking down the street, you're going to be hired. Cliff Kingsbury, I remember in the press release when he got hired by the Arizona Cardinals, and like this, he had never even worked with Sean McVay, and in the second right. paragraph of the Cardinals announcing him as head coach, they had a sentence about him being friends with Sean McVay. Exactly. That's right. exactly right. So, okay, well, it, uh, here's a little bit of a, not a hot take for you, but the people that don't get enough love in this regard are the special teams coordinators. And I'm not trying to be funny. John mm-hmm. Harbaugh is a special teams guy. Marv Levy came. He was a special teams guy. Special teams coaches, Joe, the reason why more special teams coaches should get a little bit of a look they actually, more than offensive or defensive guys, they deal with the whole roster every day. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're actually, they have to be in, involved in more of the actual complete team operation than an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. And I've always felt that's what gives them actually a little bit more of a sense of what a head coach has to do than an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. Hmm. Wasn't, that, uh, wasn't that Marv? Wasn't Marv yeah, a special Marv. guy? Mar- now, Marv, Marv came into the NFL. He famously ran the wing tee with the Kansas City Chiefs. The wing okay? tee. And this, wow. He did. And they ran for 300 yards a game, but they couldn't throw for a lick, and they didn't win a lot of games. But, man, they could run the stinking football. And then, uh, yeah, and then you know he was fired, but he was a special teams guy. Like, that's where he cut his teeth. He came up. He was a big special teams guy. He comes to Buffalo. He really was known for special teams, but yeah, he did run the wing tee when he came in. John Harbaugh, same thing, special teams. I think that some yeah. of these these guys that that you know are out there that were really good special teams coordinators would probably make for pretty good head coaches because of the CEO part of it that they have to deal with all different parts of the of the roster. John Harbaugh, by the way, now the second oldest coach in yes. the NFL, 
with oldest, uh, not even not even uh, tenured. No, wow, right. second oldest coach in the league. He doesn't even look that old. He's in. I mean, he's in good shape. Part of the reason he's second oldest coach in the league. Nobody hired Bill Belichick. I want to get into that a little bit mm. when we come back on Belichick not getting a job as he's still 14 wins away from Don Shula's record. Eight o'clock. My brother Lou DiBiase, who is covers the Eagles for Locked On Podcast, he is down at the Senior Bowl, and we'll get a little bit of a scoop on what he's seen from, uh, especially some of the receivers and also the quarterbacks. I got a question about Michael Penix earlier for like the Dolphins, their next, you know, Tua guy to replace him, and like I, I, I don't know how different he is, but all that's going on down in Mobile, we'll talk with Lou about coming up at eight a.m. So we still got plenty of time for your phone calls at eight oh three oh five fifty. Jody Biasi, Sal Capaccio, more after this timeout here on WGR. Well, it's Groundhog Day again, but what this weather did not provide is a shadow or reason to hide. Glad tidings on this Groundhog Day. An early spring is on the way. All right. <laughs> Let's go, Punxsutawney Phil. Let's go, baby. Yes. When do pitchers and catchers report? <laughs> Let's go. When do pitchers and catchers report? That's probably coming up, isn't uh, it? In like a month? It probably is. That's right. Um, yes. Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow. For what I realize, I look, looking this up during the break, how rare it is that he doesn't see his shadow. He's not seen it, or excuse me, I should put it this way. He has seen his shadow 107 of the 136 times they've done this. And he, yeah, and and so that's a pretty high rate and low rate for what happened today. Like, it's gone bucking against, like, the percentage today. Didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Only 20-something times in 130 years. Yeah, I'm looking outside right now, though, and it is very gray and overcast, so... We got we got to get going here. Although, hey, the 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 weather reports say a lot of sun may be coming our way in the next uh the next couple yeah. days. Let's melt that snow, let's, let's dry up that mud. Let's go. Let's let's get back to spring. Let's get to Josh, spring. That was actually possible. live sound, right? That was like yeah, real sound. That, that wasn't was, from the movie Groundhog Day. That no, was that actually was, sound from today. Yep, that was done about wow. 15 minutes ago. So, <laughs> I, I watched it. the live stream. It was it was kind of electric, I'm not going to lie. They were chanting, <laughs> "Phil, Phil, Phil." It was <laughs> It was pretty good. It's like a golf tournament with Mickelson. <laughs> is that something that is like worth attending? Like people go to the I, the like here. Okay, so let let me make a case here. Let me just throw something out there. I think going to that in wherever that is, Pennsylvania, right? I yeah. think that would be a better thing to go to than to go to the ball drop at Times Square on New Year's Eve. I know, I know what's going to happen at New Year's Eve, right? At least here, I've got some right. Josh said some electricity because I don't know what's going to happen. Yes, they, one they way or start, the other, they start celebrating at three thirty in the morning, like with like that talent shows and, and musical performances and all this wow. other stuff, and it goes until about seven thirty when the sun starts to come up, and then they do their. I had no idea. And, yeah, I I had no idea about the starting at three thirty. I thought they all just got up at like seven. It's an it, event. Yeah, I guess so. You by the way, do they have a skills competition for all the uh, groundhogs <laughs> like they do for the NHL All Star yeah, Game? Like a, like a ground with groundhog race? <laughs> well, according right? to yes. the according to the official groundhog club, it is the same groundhog that they started with 130 years ago or whatever because he drinks the elixir of life mm. and he lives forever. According to the groundhog club, interesting. Oh my! 
Um, this is amazing. I'm reading now. Upwards of 25,000 people brave the cold on early February mornings to get catch a glimpse of uh, of this rodent's weather prediction. So there, you're, there are there are going to be a lot of people there if you're making the trip. And by the way, wherever Pennsylvania, it's Punxsutawney, uh, Pennsylvania, obviously, because that's yes. where the name comes from. And so. Joe, I have attended the ball drop, and it is very anticlimactic. You are absolutely right. I'm glad I did it. I think maybe uh-huh. people should just do it once, but I would tell you. It's not super special. It you're exactly right. You wait a long time mm-hmm. for really nothing other than what you know is going to happen, which is this light in the sky is going to drop down, and then mm-hmm. it's going to light up, and everybody's going to say, "Yay, Happy New Year!" And yeah. you drink something, you kiss somebody, and you go home. There you go. Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. By the way, when you drive in, apparently <laughs> the sign says the weather capital of the world, and uh, I feel like our man Pat Hammer would take great offense. To that being claimed by Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, with their 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 the way that they're predicting, but oh, by the way, real quick uh, before we get off this topic, how bad is it that I haven't seen the movie Groundhog Day? Bad. It's bad. You've pretty seen bad. It. Pretty bad. I have. Yeah, I have. It's on. It's on a lot now these days. I mean, it's not even just this time of year. It's on. It's 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 readily available a lot of places. Hmm. It's got a ninety four on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, all right, maybe it's I'll... a great movie. It's funny. It's a good movie. It is a good movie. It's not. It's not. Yeah, outdated. it's kind of cheesy, right? But it's it's a good movie. And Bill Murray's obviously funny. He's he's a really funny actor. How well does it? Uh, how well does it hold up? It's it's like early nineties. Usually, the, yeah, the er, I'm still good with the early nineties. So, all right, I, I think it holds. It's not. I mean, you're yeah. It, it's a good movie. It's 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 a feel good movie. It's a good movie. It's not. Oh my god. It's. I don't know. It's not Shawshank Redemption. Like, holy cow, you got to go see this thing, right? Yeah. Oh, but Shawshank it's Redemption. it's a good movie. Shawshank Redemption. I mean, I use that Amazing. because you know, yeah, exactly. same same time period, and yeah, I'm I was mad at myself that I hadn't seen that earlier when I when I did finally get to it. I never thought we'd be comparing Shawshank Redemption to Groundhog Day. I mean, it's you know, it probably did it come out in the same year? It might have come out. They might have been uh, the same award show, ninety three and ninety four. It's the same same period. So, speaking of Groundhog Day, this is actually, there's no tie-in here whatsoever. I don't know why I tried for that. So, Sal, Bill Belichick does not get a head coaching job. We've discussed whether he'll ever coach again um, here now at 71. Uh, Should he, how should he really take not getting a job? How do you want to bet he's taking, getting, becoming available there being seven real openings, I don't know if I want to count the Raiders as like an eighth. They just went with you know Pierce, and maybe they were always going to do that. But not only one team interviewed. They said no thanks. A bunch of other teams didn't even want to talk to him. And I wonder if he is looking in the mirror right now and really trying to figure out like why, like what happened, what has happened in the league this off season that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm I've got six rings, and nobody wants me to come be their head coach. Like what what gives? But man, I really wonder how much of that record without Tom Brady and what he's done the last couple of years is speaking to why this has happened. I hadn't thought about this, and I don't think it's necessarily right. But we got a good tweet from uh, RFP. Thank you, RFP, who says, "I wonder to what extent Belichick's cheating scandals may have have." him kind of semi-blackballed in owners' minds. I do think you have to leave some space for that, Joe. Hmm. Like, you bring him into your organization, you know, the Uh epithet on Bill Belichick is, you know, at the end, yes, the six rings, but 
you're going to go to the wiki page and see the cheating, the cheating scandals. And I, I, I do, I do wonder if there's an owner out there, a couple owners who say, I just don't want that attached to me as he gets to the end of his career and he's, you know, if yeah. he's not going to win here, like that's part of where he was when you look at that. And I don't know, maybe I do think it's something you have to think about. I think overall, though, I think Belichick overplayed his hand because he does what he does. This is he's Bill Belichick and it's hubris. That's just what it's been for the last few years. It's been the hubris of Bill Belichick. It's why the Patriots can't really get out of their own way the last several years. Yes, he has all the hardware. He's won all the rings. I get it. You know, I'm the I'm the Buffalo guy on the radio who's been kind of railing against him for the last few years. I get it. I'm not trying to do that here. But it's the truth. I think I've been right about it, yeah. to be quite honest. And I'm telling you now, the hubris yeah. of this guy, he thought he'd just be able to walk into any stinking job that's available because he's Bill Belichick. That's not how it works. Yeah. And... No. The trend in the league is to get younger at these position coaches, the mm-hmm. fresh mind. He has shown over the last since Tom Brady has left, it has come out clearly. He is not a fresh mind. He's not an innovative thinker anymore, especially on offense. Yes, he was. He has been. He could still coach defense. There's no doubt. But the NFL has changed so much since he came into this league and he won all those titles, even on defense. Look what happens when he generally plays mobile quarterbacks. He does not have much of an answer. I think I think Owners and GMs and organizations were smart enough to understand we're getting a fossil if we bring this guy in. As great as the resume is, he's not going to elevate our team. Yeah. No, I I think he really – like, I kind of look at this from two perspectives. One of, like, the owner looking at it as, like, what am I really getting here? I've got to sign up for him having player personnel control, which is kind of out there. that Like, that appears to be the deal, which – then that is just a non-starter for me for how poorly that has gone. I've got the age question. Like, even if this goes well, how long do I have this guy for? I'm not getting the Ravens hired John Harbaugh in what 2008. That goes well because of his age. I get 15 years of this guy. The the Bills, same thing. They hire Sean McDermott in his early 40s. If this goes great and I want him for 15 years, I can have him for 15 years. The Rams are Sean McVay. Oh, same thing. The Seahawks know that right with Mike McDonald. If they hit on this guy, they can have him for as long as they want, as long as the relationship stays cool. If it goes well for Belichick, four years? Max? Like, are you even getting right. that? And there are, even on top of those two things, what... Like, Jim Harbaugh gets hired with the Chargers, and he's thought of as more of, like, the CEO type. What has Jim Harbaugh proven to be able to do at both in both San Francisco and Michigan? He is going to bring in the right coaches underneath him. He's going to bring in quality assistants. I mean, that's where Vic Fangio kind of made his money, uh, I think. Like, really, his name started to grow and got a head coaching job eventually because of what he did with Harbaugh in San Francisco when they went to the Super Bowl. Um, Greg Roman, a little bit of the same thing. The coaching staffs at Michigan that have grown into bigger roles um, and are now even coaching in the NFL, same thing. Like Harbaugh has a good reputation for identifying. He might not call plays. He might not be in on all the X's and O's stuff, but he's going to identify the right assistant coaches. Look at Belichick's track record with that. Look who you're hiring. Look at all the guys that are probably coming with him. You're signing up for Josh McDaniels and maybe Matt Patricia, or maybe it was going to be Bill O'Brien, but he already left, so it's not going to be him. He's at Ohio State. Like, I just, and, and that matters too, Sal, for the succession plan. If I'm only getting three, four years, like, one question I'm asking Belichick if I'm interviewing him to be my head coach is 
Okay, you're 71. When you walk away, do you who 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 am I who am I going to have in the building already to ready to promote or do I have to do this all over again in 4 years? Mm-hmm. And I would be really questioning that guy's track record when it comes to who works underneath him and also what they become as head coaches because his coaching tree stinks. Joe, Joe, I'm not kidding when I say like I know it sounds it sounds really mean to say this or I'm just I have some vendetta against the guy or something. When you say that to me and you say if you're sitting in the room and you say to him, okay, like, hey, what happens when you leave? I imagine Bill Belichick doing the uh, Pat Riley and throwing the rings on the table and saying, why do you care? <laughs> he just doesn't talk the whole interview. He just, right, like, after each I'm question, Bill Belichick. he puts one more Look ring Look at my rings. Yeah. Yes, like, I, I, I'm not kidding. Like, I think it's almost, to me, I envision this. When you bring him in for an interview, people were laughing, like, what does it look like when he goes to interview for the Atlanta Falcons? It probably looks like that, which is, he walks in, he says, what do I need to tell you guys? I'm Bill Belichick. But that's that's why you don't hire him then. Like, what do you mean? What do I mean? Like, you're applying for a job here. Yeah. You can't. This is why he probably is. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's some weird world where he didn't really care as much as we thought he did about getting a job. But I just envision this guy walking into Atlanta or wherever else he interviewed. And he's like, hey, I'm here. You got me. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I should ask you the questions. And also, here, here's what Tom Brady's father said, if, if anyone missed this. Tom Brady Sr. spoke on Belichick not getting a job on, actually, this was uh, Wednesday. And he said, quote, he runs a military system. It's a different generation. Bill is a great, great, great coach, but his interpersonal skills are horrible. And even the most intense coaches you're seeing hired right now, look at Dan Campbell. He's like one of the most intense coaches that you'll find. Anybody have any question about his interpersonal skills? Like you, I, I, the only look I got at that is hard knocks and what gets written about him. But even him, he's like the 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 most intense coach you're gonna find for stuff like that. That's getting hired recently, and even him, like players would go through a wall for him. And I yep. just I don't even I question whether Belichick's style. In terms of how he operates the organization, not even the coaching, not the X's and O's, not who he brings in at quarterback, not how how he wants to run an offense. Even beyond that, what Tom Brady Sr. said about how he deals with people, I feel like that matters more today than maybe it ever has, if it, if I'm right to say that. Did you, did you see Marlon Humphrey tweet yesterday about Belichick? I did not. Let's let's get to that okay. when we come back. We're late to a break. Okay. Um, we call her and hold. We can get to as well. But what Marlon Humphrey said about Belichick, I have not seen that. I'm going to not look. I'm going to wait to have Sal okay. reveal to me uh, when we come back. Lou DiBiase coming up at 8 o'clock on the Senior Bowl. My brother's down in Mobile. He'll talk with us on what he's seen in the first couple practices coming up in 10 minutes. Stay tuned. Joe DiBiase, Sal Capaccio here on WGR. All right, Sal, what did Marlon Humphrey say about Bill Belichick? Marlon Humphrey, corner of the Ravens still? Yeah, he said, he wrote yesterday, here's what his tweet was. The quote, in quotes, greatest coach of all time. Oh, love the quote. Did not get hired out of six head coaching job opens, openings. I think that debate can be put to rest now. Wow. 
Love the quotes. What? Exactly what I did when I got uh, yeah. Troy Aikman off a little bit with uh, the quotes around <laughs> Hall, Hall of Fame. Those quotes are powerful. you got to know what you're oh. doing with them. Um, yes. The debate can be put to rest now also. Like, he just, like, definitively, like, this, this means he's not even in the debate. Man. I mean, he's in the debate. He's in the debate. I'm not going to take him out of the debate. But... I'm leaning. You're you're in. Uh, you convinced me once upon a time on Joe Gibbs being above him, and I am more and more uh, really yeah. wanting to put Andy Reid above Love him too, if he wins the Super Bowl this year. Okay, all right. You're good. Me, you're good on Gibbs now with me. What I what I, I'm the good way with I Gibbs. Frame that. I'm good with Gibbs. I can't okay. get past. It's not like it's two seasons worth. It's 170 games without Tom Brady. Correct. Where he's got a lower yes. win percentage than Norv Turner. Just there's it, there's it's it's glaring to me that it's that overt like and it's, it's that many games and it's in different eras too it's in the 90s and in the in recent times that that record has been compiled that's right so eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number I run the numbers Joe mm-hmm. offense defense where coaches come from we can talk about it in the eight o'clock hour okay I've tweeted out I have the numbers I went through and looked at where. Coaches come from which side of the ball? It's very interesting where this is going in the NFL. We'll get to that. We'll get to my brother Lou DiBiase, locked on podcast, who is down at the Senior Bowl and in Mobile. We'll get some draft in on the last, the first two days or the first day. It was a lot of Lad McConkey, the wide receiver from Georgia, that was stealing mm-hmm. the show. We'll see uh, who has been doing well in the last forty-eight hours down in Mobile. Lou joins us next. Stay tuned. And you can get your phone calls in as well if you have questions on the draft or uh, Belichick. 803 is the phone number. It's Jeremy and Joe. Jeremy off today. He'll be back on Monday here on WGR. You know, it's always interesting to see who stands out amongst this group and, and who's truly putting in the effort because I think there are always a dozen or two players that you, that kind of stand out. And of that group, there has to be at least four or five where you say they absolutely helped themselves, right? They came into this week maybe as a day three pick, and now we're talking about them as a top 100 choice or something. So when they get on the field, go head-to-head against some of the top competition, it, it can't help it but improve your stock. That is Eric Edholm, who was on with us yesterday. Talking draft, Senior Bowl. You can find that on demand at WGR550.com. Jeremy is off today, and Sal is in, and we go to the Western Hotline, who is down at Mobile, Alabama. We had him on Monday to preview, Friday to recap at least some of the practices. Lou DiBiase, my brother down in Mobile, and I believe you're being joined by like uh, all these legends from back in the day, like Jerry Rice are down there. There was a parade, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So there is actually a parade going on this weekend. But yeah, Terrell Owens was there yesterday. Jerry Rice. It's the 75th anniversary team. So there's a lot of legends in the NFL that are down here. Okay, that's why. Okay, that's why I'm seeing all these legends down there. So. Mm-hmm. How is the uh, how are the practices going? You've said this before, right? The practices are better for judging these guys, maybe than the game is. 
Yeah, I mean, it depends on what position you're looking for. I think from a defensive perspective, the practices are really good. They kind of take over each game. Um, I should say each practice, you know, Tuesday through Thursday. A lot of scouts and media actually end up going home today. I mean, I'm staying for the game just because I'd like to evaluate the offensive players on Saturday. But, yeah, I think the practices because, you know, each drill kind of shows off a different strength or if there's a weakness you saw in film that you're kind of looking to confirm or raise more questions about. You can kind of see that maybe for like a corner and one-on-ones or a linebacker and 11s. So for most people, the practices are the best part of the evaluation process. You you enjoy this, right, every year also, right? Like, I'm, I know, like, you do. Like, you wouldn't go down there if you didn't. Um, but, like, in terms of an event to go to for you covering it, how do you how do you like it? I love it. I mean, for me, I've always been a draft nerd, and I think this one is the best that you can – I mean, I would watch one-on-ones between receivers and corners for 24 hours straight. It's that exciting. And the rosters this year are really strong. So the good news is, too, is the Senior Bowl this year is allowed underclassmen. So I think the roster is a lot better than it was, you know, compared to last year. So, yeah, I mean, it's just great to, you know, have the entire NFL down here, you know, see all these top prospects. Practices give you just so much different stuff to look at. And then the game, too. So, yeah, honestly, it's one of my favorite things to do each year. The Bills often, Louie, you know, they, they are very big on the Senior Bowl. They have been, at least. You t- take a look at their tie-ins, the guys they drafted, the guys that played in the Senior Bowl. It's often a lot of correlation there. What about the Eagles? Are, are, do, are they a team that... You know, has a good correlation between guys who've been there and guys they draft? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, last year they drafted Sidney Brown, the safety out of Illinois. Uh, He was one of the standouts at the Senior Bowl. So I think sometimes they like to go with underclassmen, too. So there's been times that I've been down here studying a lot of prospects they could be keeping a close eye out for, and they kind of gone in different directions. But this year, I think from at least an Eagles perspective, there's a lot of guys that I'm hoping they do focus on, at least from a second and third level perspective on defense. I've been watching a lot of linebackers, safety, and corners because that's what I think this defense needs a lot. The thing is with general manager Howie Roseman, he has a track record the majority, probably 90% of his first and second round picks go to the trenches, offensive and defensive line. I feel like it's been a little bit overkill over the last few years, so I've been focusing on those other spots. But, yeah, if they're going to take somebody from down here, I would imagine it's a lineman like, you know, Tyler Guyton's had a great week, the uh, tackle from Oklahoma. He met with the Eagles several times. So if they're going to do something from the Senior Bowl, I, I think it's going to be a, a trench player. All right. Bill's perspective, receivers, how are we looking? And is this yeah. Lad McConkey uh, taking over these practices the way it kind of sounds like he has been? Yeah, he's been literally unguardable in one on ones and four on fours. It's been really impressive. He's, you know, somebody that's going to get pigeonholed into this slot conversation, this slot stereotype. But for me, I've been really impressed with the long range speed he has. And for a guy his size, like he can really high point the football. This receiving group down here is. Last year, I didn't think on paper it looked great. Of course, then you got Puka Nakua, Rishi Rice, you know, Tank Dell. So it was a lot better than I thought when I was originally down here. But this year, just from a top-to-bottom look at the list, like, it's been really good. Tez Walker from UNC has really turned heads. He might be one of the best home run hitters in this draft. Deep threats, first or second-round prospect. Um, but a lot of the slot guys kind of won some money this week. You know, we mentioned McConkie. I think uh, the Michigan receiver, Roman Wilson, might have been one of the best players, regardless of position. So if you're a Bills fan looking for a receiver, there were a lot of guys that showed out this week. And I think Saturday during the game, it'll be even better to watch. Does McConkie, like just one more follow-up on him real quick. Do you think 
after watching him and reading and knowing about him that he does track more towards a slot guy? Because for the Bills, I mean, Shakir's going to be the slot guy. I mean, almost undoubtedly, and Kincaid is going to do that too over the middle. So for the Bills, you know, like that outside ability to play the Y, you know, with Diggs playing the X, I think is going to be pretty vital for whoever they look at. Yeah, I mean, he's not somebody that won't be able to play the X or the Y, but when you look at the size, I think one of his weaknesses still is the inability to play through contact as much. But if you give him a free release off the line of scrimmage, like he's going to turn you inside out. So, yeah, honestly, for where the Bills are picking at the end of the first round, even the early second, for the kind of receiver they could use, I think they could use any kind of pass catcher this year. But I think you would look more towards like a Tez Walker uh, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina had kind of a rough day on Tuesday, but this is a guy that's very physical, one of the best players when it comes to contested catchability. He really impressed on Wednesday, and then Thursday he got a little banged up. So I think for the Bills, yeah, you're probably watching those guys. The thing is, the receivers that did steal the show, they kind of are in that you know Khalil Shakir type mm-hmm. of mold. Like Roman Wilson is kind of that guy, too. I've heard a lot of comparisons to Tyler Lockett down here for Wilson, so yeah, it's been a lot of the shiftier, smaller receivers. Even like uh, Jaquan Jackson from two lanes looked good, too. It is kind of been that kind of pass catcher that looked good. The Bills really shouldn't be in the market for an offensive lineman, but defensive line, especially tackle, the interior. I mean, they got a lot of uh, guys. Contracts are up. They're going to have to kind of replenish there. We'll see where they go. What have you seen from that group? And obviously, Sweat's the guy that a lot of people talk about with his size. But what have you seen from that group out there, Lou? Yes, yeah, what's been really good this week. And honestly, even though we're talking a lot of receivers, you know, secondary players, the strength of this class is yet again, probably offensive and defensive linemen. Tyler Guyton, as I mentioned earlier on the offensive side, has been great. But when you mentioned defensive tackle, uh, Braden Fisk from Florida State has been one of the best guys out here. So, yeah, the Bills are looking for another interior defensive lineman that can get to the quarterback but can also you know, stop the run. Um, that's a guy with a lot of length, a really high motor. Um, yeah, th- this class, honestly, the one-on-ones for, you know, pass rushers and offensive linemen, that might be even more fun than receiver and corner one-on-ones. So mm-hmm. I think if the Bills do need somebody like that, another guy that kind of turned my head a little bit on the edge is Darius Robinson from Missouri, coming off an eight-and-a-half sack season, like crazy length, explosiveness. So, yeah, I mean, if the Bills are looking for a defensive lineman, I know fans probably don't want to hear that for <laughs> their first few picks, but – the strength of this draft, yet again, probably is in the trenches. But but they'll need it. I mean, I, I agree with yeah. you with, you know, like, I don't think it's going to be the sexiest idea, but they've basically got Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, and Ed Oliver under contract right now. Kingsley right. Jonathan, too. Um, so they've got to do stuff there. And that means inside and at the edge. And they've invested so much in the edge, first and second round picks, that, like the guy you just mentioned, and I, whoever else is down there, at the Senior Bowl or not, like maybe Senior Bowl guys are good to target for the Bills that position too because they're going to need they're going to need players to come in and maybe contribute right away. Yeah, and the thing is too, free agency still hasn't even happened. I mean, there's still the trade market. So right now, I think you can watch a Senior Bowl kind of All Star Game go on. Mock drafts are starting to come out, and you can kind of paint the idea of what you want the Bills to do based on a need perspective, but. You know, if they go out there and let's say they probably can't do it from a financial standpoint, but let's say they go out and get a Michael Pittman or, you know, they even sign a second-tier free agent like a Hollywood Brown or a Curtis Samuel, I feel like then that can maybe change your mind. And I think fans might be more in on the idea of trenches early in the draft. So 
It also really depends on what they decide to do in free agency. I really like the receiving group that's available this year in the open market. So I think, you know, once that happens, then the focus can really shift towards the draft. Yeah, they'd have to go bargain bin hunting for sure if they did that. But for sure. How about yeah. at uh, at safety? You, I forgot the name of the guy. You'll remind me, I'm sure, in two seconds. But there was like a Kyle Hamilton-type monster 6'5 safety, yeah. whatever, that was down there. So what does that position group look like this week? Yeah, so that's James Williams from Miami. That's the prospect I kind of fall for every year, even though sometimes it doesn't work out as – Give me the six five plus guy with the wingspan that played in the secondary. I always want to try to develop that player, even if it doesn't work out. Like Tariq Woolen was down here a few years ago. Um, and then there was a kid from Boise State last year, uh, JL Skinner, I remember, that didn't work. So, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. But this safety group is really good. Cameron Kitchens from Miami, his counterpart is actually probably the best guy down here. He had five interceptions last year, six the year before, like, if the Bills are going to take a safety in the first round, I would be familiar with the name Kinchins. But uh, Javon Bowler from Georgia is here, too. Probably a day one or early day two prospect. The safeties are really good. Um, again, they allowed underclassmen, so Kinchins was available to come. James Williams, who they've actually though been playing more at linebacker than safety. But it is a good crop, and with Micah Hyde, a free agent, Jordan Poyer up there in age, and who knows about the future of Taylor Rapp, it's probably a position the Bills are keeping a close eye on. What's the weather been like this week down there? It's been awesome. I and mean, I've been only, this is year three. <laughs> the last two years, a lot of rain wasn't as warm. Yeah. But, I mean, my whole half of my body is sunburned right now. So I can't. Oh. You are the worst. Well, we, Sal, we are so bad with sunscreen, me and him together. It's like, I'm oh, not. Really? The least surprising thing ever uh, is that Lou is sunburned <laughs> yeah. when he went down to Mobile. <laughs> I had to get well, it's, it's February. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. Listen, I I was I only went there down there once. It was actually right before the pandemic that year in 2020, and it was like the coldest week of the year down there. At least the weather wasn't that good. But they people around there said, yeah, for some reason every year around this time, Senior Bowl time, they don't yeah. get very good weather. Like it's like that one dip in the. So I'm glad that you're experiencing better weather. Yeah. I know neither team here, the team that we cover, the Bills, the team that you cover, the Eagles, Lou, are in the market for a quarterback. But what have you seen from the quarterbacks down there this week and how things are trending? This seem, seems like a really you know, good class, a, pretty, a, a little bit of a deeper class as well. Yeah, it's been a lot better than, I mean, last year, the top name I can remember was like Jay Kaner. I mean, there, it really mm-hmm. wasn't that great. The year before you had like Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. This year is definitely, at least since I've been here, the deepest group. Um, Sam Hartman from Notre Dame. Of course, you got the top guys like Michael Penix, uh, Bo Nix from Washington and then Oregon. But, you know, Hartman's here. And then even the maybe the most natural passer that's been the most impressive on the field is Spencer Rattler from South Carolina, who I'm sure most remember from Oklahoma was a projected sometimes number one overall pick a few years ago. Rattler's actually been pretty impressive. I mean, he's a very natural passer, but I think the best quarterback overall has been Penix. I don't think he's like totally turned heads where now he's quarterback three over like a Jaden Daniels from LSU. But I think he kind of cemented himself. The interviews were really impressive too from Penix. That's probably a guy I think goes inside the top 15. Like you look at the Atlanta Falcons at number eight overall, I would not be surprised if he's a top 15 pick. So Penix has probably been the most consistent guy, but the one that if I could say becomes a player from day two or day three, that's probably Rattler. Yeah. What Penix, it's his stock seemingly had dropped a lot since that national championship game where it felt like his athleticism got exposed. Isn't he kind of a, for you, is he a weird evaluation because he's got the arm talent that makes you think he can make any throw on the field, but then you watch him in, you know, in game settings and sometimes it can look like, you know, 
they're he's going to be one of those quarterbacks that needs an elite offensive line, or he's not going to be able to do anything. No, I, I agree, and I kind of even noticed that this week. He's not my kind of quarterback prospect. I want the ceiling guy that just has, you know, the, even though it's rare, the Josh Allen type of traits. I think Penix is going to be a pretty good quarterback at this level. But, yeah, I mean, the mobility is something that I need in a quarterback, and it's not that he's a pocket passer like Jared Goff that's going to be the worst quarterback against pressure in the league. But, yeah, I mean, he's also not a 4-4 speed guy that's going to make, you know, players miss on the second and third level. So, He's extremely accurate, though. I mean, his arm talent, he can make every throw. Is it elite tier one arm strength? Probably not. His mechanics, to me, are still a little wonky. Like, when you need to put air under the ball, it's still something that I feel like he struggles with at times. Like, watching him throw some fades this week, that's kind of where I just – the, the yeah. fluidity wasn't there compared to, like, a Spencer Rattler. So, yeah, I think he's a pretty fine quarterback prospect. He's still a first-round selection. But if I'm going to hitch my wagon to somebody as, a you know, a new head coach – I would probably lean somewhere else. Like I would much rather have Jaden Daniels from LSU. What What about Bo Nix? Have you seen? Is he going to be yeah. one of those Mac Jones types where he goes in the middle of the first round and yeah. that team's going to get criticized for not really going for like a ceiling guy? But like, listen, if you're like Denver or the Raiders, Lou at like eleven and twelve, or maybe they're twelve and thirteen. Right. I, I don't really know what else you do. Maybe Bo Nix just ends up being the best idea when you don't have many. Yeah, he definitely didn't have the best week. He was pretty underwhelming. He was one of the worst quarterbacks from a performance standpoint. But, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that played a ton in college football, a lot of success. He does have mobility. And as you mentioned, teams that kind of played their way out of the quarterback market, like, you know, you even look at a playoff team or a contender, like the New Orleans Saints even, too, that if they're out on Derek Carr for the future, that's a place I could see Bo Nix go to, somewhere where he can develop behind a starter that's not a team's franchise quarterback. Yeah, there's some quarterbacks that end up getting pushed up the board farther than maybe their talent shows, and I think that'll probably be represented most with Bo Nix. I'm not the biggest Nix. The the quarterbacks from the Pac-12 are not my cup of tea this year, but yeah, I I think that Nix, even after this week, will still probably be a first-round pick. All right. Lou, uh, your thoughts on Kellen Moore, new OC for the Philadelphia Eagles. Originally, I didn't like it, but the more I listen to people that are smarter than me, I started to like it more. The Eagles last year were dead last in pre-snap motion, and that was kind of something I was hell-bent on for the new coordinator. And Kellen Moore's offenses have been consistently at the top of the league in that. Um, It sounds like he really helps scheme players open. It just felt like way too much last year. Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, and A.J. Brown, they had to carry this offense in spite of bad coaching, and I think it was part of the downfall. So, you know, Kellen Moore was a hot head coach name for a few years there in Dallas. They, he kind of fell off the last two years, but you know, compared to the alternative, compared to what they had last year, um, I definitely think it's an upgrade. So I'm still skeptical with the way the coaching staff is set up. I want the head coach to be the play caller long term because if Moore is successful, he's going to get a head coaching job next year and you're back to square one. But in a vacuum, yeah, I, I like the hire. Uh, on uh, something similar here, I'm just realizing now that I made this point yesterday without even checking in with you on it on – Sal asked me to like kind of rank, you know, put in tiers like the teams for next year, and I put the Colts really high. And one thing I said about Shane Steichen was one, what he did with Gardner Minshew, but two, that the Eagles like badly missed him last year. Is that right to say? Like, did, did is he that level of play caller for Indianapolis where it was evident that Philadelphia really missed him last season? 
Oh, yeah. No, and, you know, this kind of happened back in 2018, too, when the Eagles lost Frank Reich and John Filippo. Everybody was saying, and they had some issues that year. They were like, see, it wasn't Doug Peterson, it was Frank Reich, which wasn't true. This time, I, I really do think it's true that Shane Steichen was one of the corner pieces of that uh, Super Bowl team. And it wasn't just 2022, but when Nick Sirianni gave him play calling in 2021, when they were two and five, they won seven of their last nine games. Like he's one of the best play callers in the league. And as you mentioned, they were in playoff contention with Gardner Minshew all year. The guy was in the Pro Bowl this week, as ridiculous as that was. So yeah, Shane Steichen, when you're talking, when you're tiering play callers, he's probably in tier one. All right, you're going to be back by Sunday to help me knock that wall down. Salute. He's uh, we're knocking some walls down at the house. <laughs> Don't ask you guys to go, man. Up for you, but I can destroy stuff for sure. I'm <laughs> Love it. Yeah, see? I'm the same way, Lou. I'm the same way. You can I am, it doesn't matter. Like I it, it, it I change a light bulb, I'm calling somebody, all right? But, but you, you can just right. wreck something, I can do it. Right. That's the, yeah, that you can take something down. And tell me which wall to hit. All right. All right, well we'll do that. So I'll see you Sunday. All right, thanks, guys. All right, fly safe. Lou DiBiase, he's at the Senior Bowl if you want. He's throw, he's throwing highlights out there, too, so at Louis, right. uh, at DiBiase, L-O-E, excuse me, on uh, Twitter to catch him there. We've got instant trivia coming up. We've got our stat of the day coming up as well. And Colin's been waiting patiently on hold, so let's get him in before the break, actually. Colin in Rochester. Thanks for uh, holding, Colin. What's up? Hey, how you guys doing? Um, so I just want to get two things by. I want to see what your guys' opinion for who we need to keep as far as, you know, free agents this year, just your guys' opinion. And then the other thing that's been bugging me for, for a couple of years now is how is Steve Spagnuolo, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, for Kansas City's defensive coordinator, not get a, a coaching job offered to him? Because you never hear anything about it with his name. I'm pretty sure in the past he used to be a coach a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It didn't end too well, but he's had so much success. I'm like, you know, I, I don't understand how they always can keep these guys around. Matt, that was just Colin. I want to get your guys. I asked that same question to Joe. Didn't we just? Yeah, Colin, I'm with you, buddy. I I said the same thing to Joe last week, maybe earlier this week. I said exactly what you just did. Like, why is Steve Spagnola not getting any love or run at all for head coaching opportunities? And you know, Joe pointed out his age. There's a trend in you know younger coaches. Mm -hmm. I I understand that. I agree with that. Um, But man, like. And and it would, Colin, you're right, like, he was bad as a head coach in St. Louis. His record was, at least, right? He was a... Yeah. It was. It did not go well in St. Louis. They had, like, a two-win season. His, they never cracked, like, six, seven wins yeah, in his, three years. His record as a head coach all-time is 11-41. and 41. Yeah. And that's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty now, that bad. was a while ago, right? right? That right, was even yeah. pre-move for the Rams, but... I mean, guys get second chances and opportunities, and you never know, and you probably learn something from that. So, Colin, I'm with you. I don't know why he hasn't, you know, even if he doesn't get hired, I don't know why he's not been in the mix for any of these jobs, which is kind of weird to me considering the success of the Chiefs defense. On free agents, all right, Joe, if I had to rank, if you had to rank all of the Bills' like pending free agents, mm-hmm. I, I understand money is going to be an issue with some of this, but I think Leonard Floyd might be at the top of mine. Like, I'd love to have him back. For the Bills, mm-hmm. Daquan Jones is right there. I be considering the Hyde and Poyer situation. I wonder if I'd look at Rap and Cam Lewis before I'd even get to Gabe Davis. To be quite honest, I th- would agree with the linemen for sure. I might even. I'm trying to think. Would I put Jones one? I mean, it's two years in a row. Where mm-hmm. he misses a game or a series of games, 
and you instantly yeah. notice the impact that that makes. Right. And I'm not saying Leonard Floyd wasn't important. Leonard Floyd was vital. I mean, if they didn't have him last year, double-digit sacks really was their most consistent edge rusher. Him and him and Rousseau, in terms of like the advanced numbers, like win rate, were like right there, neck and neck, for the best pass rusher on the year. But Floyd, of course, got the sacks. Um, he was he was critical. But I don't know. I might put Jones one because he was just so good. He did a lot for Ed Oliver, I think, in the last two years, and he's that perfect. He's that perfect idea of a partner for Oliver in that he can be the space eater, but he's also like he can do a little bit of everything, right? Like he can he can be a guy though mm-hmm. that's also getting through and rushing the passer. That was one thing that always kind of frustrated me when they had paid. Star Latulale was this guy's only giving you one element of you know one one value on that defensive line. He's only going to eat up blocks for you. There is no extra layer of okay. Once in a while, he can rush the passer, and Jones maybe even is just good at it. On top of what he can do for you in the run game and helping Oliver, so I might put him one. And I don't expect him to be super expensive, like. I'm not saying he'll pay agree. nothing, but I agree. What do you think he gets? Like five million, six million bucks a year? Like I, I think if that's that, if, if that even. I mean, you know, sometimes the, yeah, the D lineman. It seems like you can get D lineman for a lot cheaper. Yeah, um, they, you know, they're, they're, they become so many more in, in a lot of systems rotational pieces, and teams aren't investing a ton of money unless you're at the very top end of that group, which he's not. But he's a really good player. Yeah, but yeah, the, the sneaky one I think that is out there that I would I I like him too, but you can't go overboard. It's Ty Johnson because he's mm-hmm. helped, but. Don't we learn every year? There's a guy like that around. Like, pretty pretty much, mind. he's he's yeah. an example of it. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly right. Your overall point though of like Gabe Davis being further down the list, like I I agree with that. I, I think there's got to be something, another idea there. And also, real quick, just to round this out on Epinesa, I'm just kind of subscribing to the idea that they're not going to get him back because he just he feels too. like an, a guy mm-hmm. that where March th- whatever the date is is March first. The free agency happens or March thirteenth. Uh, this or year it's the thirteenth. Okay, the 13th. March March thirteenth at whatever eleventh. The March eleventh is the day they can start talking. The thirteenth is the day they can sign. Gotcha. So whatever day that is, we're gonna see a tweet about AJ Epinesa getting some contract, and we're all gonna go, "Wow, I can't. I like AJ Epinesa, but I can't believe somebody gave him that contract." I feel like that's gonna happen. So, time out here when we come back. Got some instant trivia for Sal. Uh, we've got uh, our stat of the day. I got the numbers well. on the head coaches. I got the numbers on the head coaches do that. for you. I want to we, talk about offensive versus defensive and where that's living right now in the league. So that's coming up as well. Stay tuned. Time for your phone calls as well. 803-0550. Open the rest of the way. So we got time. Jody Biasi, Sal Capaccio, Jeremy off today. This is WGR. I'm not saying that the man can't coach. I'm not saying that the man doesn't deserve a job. I'm not even saying he doesn't deserve to be a head coach. But an NFC East rival coming off what I saw them do, am I excited about this hire for the nation's capital? No. (laughs) Stephen A. Smith, uh, ESPN (laughs) yesterday, which is kind of a form of how we talked about Dan Quinn and the Extra Point Show yesterday, right, Sal? Yes, I think that's right, yes. Just not like the most inspiring hire. He might be fine. I mean, he he went to a Super Bowl. You know, he picked the right offensive coach at the time, and he had the a good defense, not a great one, and it was good enough to be in the Super Bowl with Atlanta. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. So Dan Quinn gets hired. A theme maybe of the off season for these vacancies of more defensive hires than we've seen 
in the past. And Sal, you've got the numbers on what we're looking at now, offensive versus defensive for head coaches. I do. I do. Here they are. So believe it or not, um, we're, we're getting closer here. 18 coaches right now. We're, we're done with the coaching cycle this, this, this time around. Yep. Uh, every team has a head coach now, 32 of them. 18 of those coaches are known for the offensive side of the ball. Some coach both, right? Like Brian Dable is coached on defense and offense. So like some have done that. But he's mostly, I count him as an offensive guy. He really kind of made his mark as an offensive guy. 18 on offense, 13 on defense. This might be the the highest amount and ratio we've had offensive defense in a while, Joe, from mm-hmm. more on defense than, than we've had in a while. One, one, John Harbaugh comes from the special team side. Now, he did coach tight ends early in his career. He did coach DBs also in his career. But he's mainly a special teams guy. Mm-hmm. And I've maintained and I've said special teams coaches should get more looks. They are... They are the coach that works with the entire roster and knows how all the players and everything works within the framework of the team, probably better than an OC or a DC, right? Um, yeah. So, but but that's a guy there. And, and uh, Adita Kinkawabla, she actually tweeted at me when I wrote that, and she said, "Hey, funny you say that." She had an article about this last week about why right. more teams aren't looking for like a special teams guys, uh, a, J- a John Harbaugh. And yes, I agree with her a hundred percent. And she writes in there like how Marv Levy was a special teams coach. We know that. But 18, 13, and 1 is the breakdown. Now, JC tweets at me and says, well, it didn't work out for Joe Judge with the Giants. Well, that's true. I mean, there's no guarantee anybody's going to be a good head coach. You can Joe Judge was a right. special teams guy. Right. right? I mean, you there's failings every year from offensive guys and defensive guys. It doesn't take away the point I'm making, which is special teams coaches work more with their whole roster than any other. So... I think sometimes they should be given more looks for that reason. Yeah. And Joe Judge, I'm going to put on the uh, the theme of Belichick coaching tree guys not working out more so than I even want to go for uh, to make it an indictment on special teams guys becoming head coaches. It is all about, and there are more and more, are there, maybe, maybe this is true, or maybe it's just that the hiring cycle or the hiring, uh, you know, the trend in recent years is it's just going to be younger. It's going to be new and fresh, so it's going to seem more advanced maybe just in terms of that, that there are more of these offensive minds out there that you can bring in and hire if you have the right head coach. I mean, D'Amico Ryans brought in Bobby Slowick from where? Like he was a, a, a assistant to an assistance coach on Shanahan's staff, and he's a young guy. And you can if you can keep him around for a couple of years, like the the, the questions about – you know, who's calling your plays on offense? Are you going to be able to keep continuity up there? You know, at least for the time being, like, Houston's got that, and Detroit's got that, and I think Philadelphia is going to have that with Kellen Moore this year. I think he got, you know, a raw deal in L.A. because everybody got hurt, including his quarterback. And I like where the Bills are at, too, for this. Like, how Joe Brady fits into this mix, he he does not have kind of the the proof in the pudding as much as maybe Slowick does or Bobby Johnson does, but I don't know. Like I kind of want to put him in that category of teams are going younger than ever at coach. And you can like, what was Joe Brady? Like he had a couple of years experience, but he got his first job in Carolina as a play caller in the NFL off, not a a much of a resume. Now it's more, you know, if, there's no, I don't think there's as much as there used to be of you got to earn your stripes, 
right? Because in the 90s, I, I bet Joe Brady would have to go like seven more years as an assistant coach before he would have got an opportunity like he did with the Bills. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, yeah, man, we have such a difference. I, You know, it's a good good exercise. Like, I, I will go back and look and think about and have to do the numbers. What, you know, what ages coaches were back in the mid-90s. I mean, you had a yeah. lot of older coaches. You... I mean, Joe, the thought was essentially you rise up the ranks, you have to put your time in, you got to be in there for a long time, and then you get a job eventually when you've put all this time in and, you know, kind of earned your keep. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, hey, man, this guy came in, his unit was awesome, and we got to get that. Let's go. And that's pretty much the trend. Now, when I mean, Sean McVay is still one of the youngest coaches in the league, and he's been right. a coach for seven years now. Man, it's been that long. Seven years, he's still yeah, going. He right, he was seventeen. Yeah, he was hired right. the same year as, as McDermott, I think. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's no, that's right, that's right. McDermott, by the way, now he he's not old by any means, and he's the tenth oldest coach no. in the league. Like he's I, it's in amazing. The top 10. It is amazing. Yeah, at forty, what is McDermott? Forty-seven. Yeah, third most tenured, fourth with those guys with Shanahan and McVeigh. They're all there together. Shanahan and McVeigh. Yes. That's and that's it. Was that all the same year, right? Seventeen. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of trends going on in the league. And then and then there's the Chiefs. I know you said like all these coaches are, are full. Are you giving any thought to some of these uh stories and speculation about Reed as the day as we get closer and closer to the Super Bowl, I feel like I'm seeing more and more written about whether Andy Reed could walk away, but I'm trying to figure out if there's actual any concrete evidence that says that or if that's just Mm. you know it's an interesting story so more the more people that see it the more people that will think it's interesting by the way just to correct myself fourth most tenured those guys uh tomlin harbaugh reed they're the three most tenured yeah harbaugh tomlin harbaugh reed then it's shanahan mcveigh and mcdermott all in the same year i i don't give much credence to it joe do i think that he could think about it sure do I think he probably thinks about it sometimes here or there because of his age and what he's accomplished? Sure, I think it's kind of natural for anybody. But I do remember talking with Josh Klingler, the sideline reporter for the Chiefs, a few weeks ago before the lead-up to the Bills-Chiefs game. And he kind of had a comment just as we were speaking, like how there was something out there about Reed. Maybe it was when Schefter put it out. Like, a, like something out there about Reed and possibly retiring. And he kind of totally dismissed it. He's like, yeah, that's not happening. Like, all right, so I'm just going to go by that, thinking, all right, people in Kansas City are saying, yeah, that's not happening. But there's been a little bit more of a groundswell, and I do think as you get closer to, hey, if he wins this thing, what more is there to accomplish? Maybe you get more to that, and maybe he thinks more about that. But I know when we had Josh Klingler on, mm-hmm. he basically kind of dismissed it outright. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't know that we're going to know before Reed kind of announces his retirement or says that it's over. I, I feel like he could go for another seven years, or I feel like it could be done, you know, a week from Monday. Um, it could be anything, really. Time out here. When we come back, we'll have that stat of the day for you. I've got a different coaching question about a for sale about a proposed fantasy dynasty coach league that we've been talking about for a while, and I think we're finally going to pull off sometime next week. we still got to get people for it. Um, so I want to get into that a little bit as well in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll have some fun leading into the weekend uh, as, you know, you got your all-star games this week. you still got some NBA stuff, but a lot to get to. Stay tuned. 803 is the phone number. Jeremy off today. It's Joe and Sal here on WGR. 
All right, Josh has some instant trivia for us today. Instant trivia brought to you by The Farmer's Dog. Fresh, human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. I believe, Josh, it's also uh, all-star themed. It is. It is NHL all-star themed. Rasmus Dahlin, that's who it's got to do with. He is the seventh player in Sabres history to earn three or more selections to the all-star games and the fifth to do so in three consecutive seasons. So who are the other four Sabres to go to an all-star game three years in a row? Okay. With the Sabres, I'm assuming. Yes, with the Sabres. Okay. Four other Sabres other than Darlene that made three straight all-star games. Um, I mean, this has got to be Gilbert Perot, right? No, he is not really? one of the answers. So, all right, what, what is the question here? I'm sorry, I just... So, four, Darlene is the fifth Sabre to make three consecutive all-star games. Oh, wow. There are four others, and I'm 0 for 1 already because I guessed Perot, and I guess he didn't... All right. In 16 Dominic years, Hashik. he never went to three in a row? Dominic Hasek is correct. That is one of them. Okay. And you're, I can't believe Perot is not one of them. You're That's right. That's nuts. I was, I was shocked too that. when I saw that. I, I didn't, I didn't think that was real, but it's, okay. it's true. Hashik, and now I'm spooked to guess anybody because I that was my the one I was like most sure of. Um, all right, how about Alexander McGinley? Yep, that's one. So you have two more. Okay, Joe, do we want to go? Did Vanek do this? No, I don't think three in a row. Um, I'll, how about Pat Lafontaine? Incorrect. No one. Oh, okay, so because, think about it, they send one representative every year and they were bad, so there weren't a lot of other options. So Jack Eichel went three years in a row? Yep, Jack okay. Eichel. And then there's one more. If you want a hint, let me know. It's not obscure. But... Oh, no, I want it then. If it's if it's hard, then that's the one I, I want to oh, no, get. It's, 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 not, it's not that hard. It's, it's okay. pretty pretty obvious. Okay. So what, who do we have so far? We have Eichel, we have Hashik, and we have McGillney. And Darlene, of course. And there's we one more? And there's one more. And it's not LaFontaine or Perot. Or Vanek. Well, no, we didn't guess Vanek, so I guess we don't it's know. It's not Ryan sure. Miller, right? No, it is not. Okay. Is it... Can we get... Is it... I I mean, I could let, I could go through a whole bunch of guys and think, like, okay, good I'll, players, I'll, but... I'll give you a hint here. It's... The same, Can we give an era? Yeah, it's yeah, the same an era. era as Gilbert Perot. Okay. Uh, oh. I will say it's either Martin or Robert, maybe. I uh, bet it's Martin. Uh, French Connection. I think you should go Martin. I think Rick it's Martin. Martin. It is Rick Martin. That's correct. So Rick Martin went three go. years in a row, but Perot didn't? Yeah, I don't know what happened there. It's I, I, I don't really There could know. have been an injury, Perot, an injury guess, maybe. maybe. Or I wonder if players sat out back then. I don't know if that was a thing back then. Interesting. Look at something here. Yeah, I know. I like want to find out like why the. And again, like he never went three years okay. in a row. All he star, was all 17 star. year career. I guess at the at the last like four or five. He years. was. No, I mean he was a 39 goal scorer in. It says in 70, 75, 76, and 76, 77, he was on the all star team. He's. I only, mean, he has him as the all star team four years in a row, actually. Well, I think, I, he I think the way it used to be, because they used to have all-star like first team and second team. So I oh, wonder if the yes, NHL record, yes. yeah, right. maybe that's how it's considered. I'm looking it, at his official if page If you go right to now, his reference page, yeah. two-time all-star, it says. Two, that's what I have, too. Two-time all-star. Right. Which, so seems, I think, which seems insulting. I, I, that's why I think it's like 
the first team and second team, but then the NHL like did away with that in like I don't know maybe the eighties or something like that. But no, not even that. I mean, he finished All Star second team twice, and that's it. He finished All Star fifth team, but like, what is what does that mean? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's weird. All right, good good uh, trivia because I was definitely thrown off on that. We'll have the stat of the day for you. We'll have some fun. I've got Golf Channel on in here right now. Uh, just saw Brady and Allen again out there. They had some back and forth yesterday out there on the course. I just want to throw one Allen question, golf-related, when we come back, that we might move on very quickly from, but I've seen it elsewhere. So Josh Allen choosing to go to this tournament – is there anything worth mentioning there? We'll get to that. And also, um, I w- this Coach Fantasy League I want to talk about a little bit before we get out of here, too. One more hour to go here on the morning show. We've got the Extra Point Show coming up next with Zach and um, with Zach and Josh coming up at 10. So stay tuned for that as well here on WGR. Nine days until Super Bowl 58. This song will be performed live. Kinda. Like, animated. Right, Josh? Yeah, CGI. CGI. Not like the original SpongeBob where it's drawn. It's like gonna be, they're gonna have like, you know, character to them. It's gonna be like 3D. Yep. The Bubble Bowl. As it was then. And this is happening because, and I did not realize this until recently... Nickelodeon's going to have their own Super Bowl broadcast? Hmm. I think so, because I thought I read something that it's already sold. The inventory's already sold out for the ads. Okay. You're right. I'm, that's I, When I just typed it in, that's the first thing that came up. They've yep. sold that out. Is there any way... Like, Max is, is Max is too old for that? To, watch, to want to watch the Super oh, Bowl? No, no, it's kind of cool. Like, the sliming stuff is cool. Yeah. Is there any chance you would want to watch part of the Super Bowl on the Nickelodeon broadcast? 100% chance, yes, that I wow. would okay. tune in for a little bit. I watched maybe two years ago the wild card, a little bit of it with um, Noah Eagle. I yes. thought it was really well done. Yes. It was <laughs> really one, well done. The one two, I think the one two years ago I will always remember for at the end of the game after the Cowboys had lost in dramatic fashion and they put like – smoke coming out of the ears and the nose of Mike McCarthy. And it was so, <laughs> so disrespectful. Like, it was funny, but... Do you remember the I'm Russell right. Wilson one where it was uh, Patrick Starr? That's not what he wanted to cook. Oh, yeah, that's right. When Patrick Starr was doing, I'm like, color you. commentary. Oh, I yeah. forgot about I forgot about that one. I gotta yeah. find that. I'm Roasting telling you, him. man. Yeah. it. You, they're, they're, you can get some good stuff from there. All right. How what what would it be as a move if I hosted a Super Bowl party and with all the friends over I didn't say anything I put just the Nickelodeon broadcast on would that be a move uh, I think it'd be great yes it, I mean I totally encourage you to do this I'm gonna try because it. I just want the reaction I mean eventually yeah. I would guess you would put it on the other channel but yeah I I would I want to hear what people say all right. you might my prediction how many people. Are you having a Super Bowl party? Are you hosting? 
I actually don't know. We usually rotate, and I think we hosted okay. last year, so... How many people are usually there? Like, 20? Yeah, like like a dozen at least. Yeah, okay. at least a dozen. Okay, let's say 12, 13, 12 to people. 20. 12 to 20. Okay, so let's just say there's 15 people there. Out mm-hmm. of that 15, I bet you get at least five who say, no, 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 you keep it there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I want to watch this. Right. I that's somebody will do that. They'll probably get outvoted. I think, um, yep, or at I least agree. there'll be a moment where something right, like slime comes out of the sky or like whatever. Andy Reid got picked up by like a crane uh, during the Nickelodeon broadcast this year. Like something like that'll happen, and someone will be all right. That's enough. All right, I've had enough. I, what happens at this party almost on a yearly basis? This happened again last year. Is on Sunday morning through to like right before the Super Bowl begins is the waste management open in Phoenix for the PGA, which has become uh-huh. a very popular event. It's like the party tournament now. And I think it's two years in a row. Like last year it was Rom had a like a twelve foot putt to win. And it was happening he was lining it up as the national anthem was about to be sung. At the Super Bowl, and there was lots of fighting at this party for, are we going to skip the National Anthem to see if Rom makes the putt? Hey, we're all here for the Super Bowl, though, and like we want to see how they do the na- whoever it was, Chris Stapleton maybe, we want to see them do the National Anthem. But Rom's making, he's, he's lining up the putt for the win, and we've been watching this for like an hour. That's going to be happening again, I guarantee it, this Sunday, uh, at least at the party that I'm going to. We'll talk about Super Bowl snacks, I'm sure, next year or next week as well. Are you excited to talk about this Super Bowl? No, right? Because it's the Chiefs again? Correct. I don't. I'm not. I'm trying to avoid it as much as possible. I really don't want to dig into it because it just gets me angry, mad. It's not just the Chiefs again. Just the. Yeah, I mean, there was a point where it became tiresome of seeing the Patriots, but it's not like the Bills ever had a look at it. You know what I mean? Uh, in this one, it's like yeah. the Bills... It should be the Bills. Are you? That's what it is. Are you at a point like for me? Whenever New England was in the Super Bowl, it would still be okay. I'm totally in because I'm rooting against them because I hated Brady, I hated Belichick, I hated every with every fiber of my being everything about the cheating Patriots. I hated them, but this Chiefs team, like I heard Chopin Bulldog yesterday doing a segment on. Like, people were calling it, like, their most hated team ever. And I didn't hear a lot of Chiefs for that. And I'm Ooh. not saying we well, we don't like the Chiefs. And maybe the way they acted after the Bills beat them in Arrowhead this year might have swayed some people, you know, towards the, the hate a little bit too. But it's not, f- for me at least, personally, I'm not, like, even that up for rooting against them. I don't want them to win. When I watch the game, I'll be rooting for the 49ers, but... It's not for me like it was for New England in terms of like how much I hate that other team. Ah, uh, correct. I would agree, but I kind of got to the point with the Patriots of, oh, you know what? I mean, they're just this is incredible what they're doing. Like it didn't kind of didn't phase me, and I I'm I try kind of sounds weird, I guess, but it's the same reason why I. Asked last week, we talked about, like, could you actually maybe want the Chiefs to win if you're a Bills fan? Because you want you want to be the team to beat them. You don't want another team. Like, people in uh-huh. Buffalo, I got people going, How, is this even a question? How could you not root for the Ravens? I'm like, well, 
because you want to be the team to beat them. You don't want another team to beat them like the Ravens. Mm-hmm. You just kind of grin and bear it. And I kind of got that way with the Patriots at some point, which was, you know what? Just let them keep winning then. At least it's them. At least it's not other teams that we have to watch having parades around instead of the Patriots. That I got to that point with them. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, just acceptance, I guess. And I, I think I'm there with the Chiefs. I don't hate the Chiefs at all. I like Andy Reid. Um, I think yeah. their fan base is really great. They're not obnoxious. I know they can be. There's a certain segment of it, and it's getting a little tougher to deal with. I totally get that, especially after the Bills played them this year and the Kadarius Tony stuff, the Taylor Swift stuff, and the, all that's surrounding that. And I don't mind her or anything like that being a part of it. I think it's great that she's welcoming in all these new fans of the NFL. I do. But I just think all of that surrounding it can get a little bit tiring for a lot of people right now. For me, it's not a hatred whatsoever. It's more of it's not the Bills, and they should have beaten that team. Yeah, I I hear that. I think Reed is a big reason for me that it's not the same. You know, maybe for everybody it's a little different. For me, I think it's the difference between Belichick and and, and Reed. Reed is likable. I like Reed. Who who doesn't like Andy Reed? Andy Reed's great, right? But Belichick was like the worst. Belichick was not fun, and he was always grumpy, and you had the cheating scandals, too, on top of that. Um, and Reed is just kind of this fun guy, right? Like the Hawaiian shirts, and, you know, he's just living life to the best, I think, when he's not coaching football. Like, I don't know. And I, I don't know that it has to be even any deeper than that. I kind of... Like, when we talk about, like, Belichick and whether he's the greatest of all time and, you know, like, can Reed track him down, I kind of do like the idea of Reed taking that from him, at least for some people. Mm-hmm. Same thing mm-hmm. with even Brady. Brady, I'm listening, he was on TV, I think, a bunch in the last couple of days because his TB12 brand, like, merged with another company, Noble, and he was doing, like, a TV circuit, basically, to kind of promote that. But... When he's doing Colin Cowherd, Pat McAfee show, when he's doing all these national radio shows, TV shows, he's getting the question over and over again about Mahomes and the GOAT and whether or not Mahomes is on his level already or whether he's going to track him down or like just getting asked to kind of compare him. And he gives you the token, you know, nonchalant answer, but you can just kind of see it. Like it kind of is eating at him. It's getting to him that anybody is even talking about it, that anybody is even considering that it's a debate. And kind of the same thing there. I don't want Mahomes to continue winning Super Bowls, but when I see, when I realize like what it's going to do to Tom Brady, like he's going to hate that. And then I start to like the idea of it. So (laughs) I'm not telling you I'm rooting for Reed and Mahomes because they're going to take something from Brady and Belichick, but. That will be a saving grace, I think, if they continue to win here. If the Bills mm-hmm. are able to win their Super Bowl, like, would you take <laughs> right now, the Chiefs will win, the Chiefs will catch, you know, the Patriots dynasty, but the Bills will get their Super Bowl? Wouldn't everybody in the world take that? Oh my God, yes. Because oh you, you will be definitively... How could they win 10 of them if the Bills get one? Right. Like, you would be definitively second best, no doubt. Like, the Chiefs dominated that era. Give me one. <laughs> but, right, like, who cares if you get one, Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, the Colts got one with Peyton, right? And then Peyton went on to get another one, but didn't they only get one? The, Col- the Colts only got one, right? Like, right. The Colts right. only got one. Does a Colts fan see that era as a success? Like, I think they have to. Did they? Did they have a Super Bowl before that? They wouldn't have, right? Because the ba- maybe the Baltimore Colts would have. Baltimore, yeah. Baltimore. So that, that for Indianapolis, it doesn't count. That was their first Super Bowl, right? I think 
two things can be right. You would take that, and you can look at that era as a success while also realizing you left a lot of meat on the bone. Like, you uh-huh. you had a quarterback where you you were capable, or maybe you should have been capable, of doing what the Patriots did. But, even though they won six and you won one, you, because you didn't have one yet, I think you still have to be happy. Like, that's where... I sometimes get tripped up with the Chiefs comparisons. I do feel like, with Josh Allen as the quarterback, that the Bills should be able to match the Chiefs. If they've got the closest thing at quarterback and the gap is not that large, then the gap between the Bills and the Chiefs shouldn't be that large. But I also realize that the goal here is just to get one. They can get their six or seven Mm -hmm. if they do it. And I will feel like the Bills left meat on the bone, but I won't care if they get their one Super Bowl. That did come with a loss after the win, though. Just, I mean, you, you'd have to accept that part too if you're going to compare the the Indy, right? You got there, yep. you got there in one, and then they got there a few years later, and they lost to the Saints, which is fine. But you know, it was it, it, it's a good question about how they view that. You you would never trade the Super Bowl title in, right? But nope. I mean, if you're a Colts fan, you you got to feel like you still had more that you didn't accomplish you should have, but right. at the same time, okay, great, we got our Lombardi, and it's really nice to look at. <laughs> yeah, and the Manning comparisons will continue um, for, for Allen, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the longer they go without winning, they'll start to fade a little bit, because Manning... Like when did Manning finally win that Super Bowl? Wasn't it around? Didn't, maybe was he thirty already when that happened? It was the '06 season. Okay, the '06 season, and he was thirty years old, and Allen is twenty-seven. So, right, you know, it, there's there's all to say. There's time here. It's why I'm not oh, yeah so far in the direction of like you got to fire McDermott right now. You got to fire McDermott right now. Like I'm, I'll listen to callers at this point that want to have that debate, but the reason I I think I'm still willing to be patient is because of Allen's age. I still feel like it's likely they're going to get to one, you know, like there's still time here for it to happen. They've got to do it. And every year that passes the, the anxiety level maybe goes up a little bit more and more and more, but I still feel confident that this team has it in them to eventually like that. Allen's too good to go his whole career without getting one. I guess that that's where I really get to. My saving grace is that. I'm looking now. Breeze. You know how how old was Breeze when he got his? He was 31, I think. 31. I think. Let's see. It was the 09 season. Mm-hmm. He was 30. He was 30. Breeze got his at 30. Manning used to got his at 30. I think Jim Kelly got to his first at 30. Mm-hmm. He didn't come into the league until later. You're right. I mean, on the, Breeze. The, the, Breeze the, is 30. Yeah. Yep. The standard here is if you really want to go that far. Elway was in his mid thirties, and he had he had bunch of cracks at it and lost, and finally won at the end of his career. Right? You don't want that. I mean, you want that. It'd be great to still have it, and he won two of them, by the way, which is great. But they won a long time. It was like never going to happen, and it finally happened right there. Right? So if you want guys who did it a little bit later, after you thought they'd get there earlier, you mm-hmm. know, Elway's the one there. But you're right, Manning thirty, Breeze thirty. Yeah, there is time. Um, you know, there's different rules now in place and all sorts of things. And I mean, salary cap has was in place then, mm-hmm. but it's harder to manage. And the money where it's gone for quarterbacks is making it very difficult to build your roster around these guys. But it's exactly right, Joe. And I've said it many times and 
I think you'd agree. As long as you have Josh Allen, your window is open to win a Super Bowl because he's Josh Allen. So Josh Allen is, uh, he was just on my TV a second ago. He's at the Pebble Beach mm. Pro-Am. I saw this out there from a couple people. I don't think it's like a lot of people on social media, but should anyone have any problem with him skipping the Pro Bowl again? Like, it's a league event. I'm sure the league wants him there um, instead of being at the Pro-Am, but, like, for me, it's just never something I could get to caring about. No. And I think because now, the the how we talked about earlier how the Pro Bowl has changed and it's Pro Bowl games. It's not this actual football game. I think it's, you know, whatever, dude. Yeah, don't it, not a big deal whatsoever. Just who cares? Mm. You don't have to be there. It's it's playing dodgeball and water balloon tosses, I think, or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's field day at school. With yeah, the... that's what it is. It's exactly what it is. And it's cool. It's yeah. not to disparage the guys there. It's great. It's a cool opportunity for them. Great for them. I'm glad that they're not even playing the game anymore. But really, what does it matter? It is interesting to me though. Have you seen um, uh, Scott? Uh, is it is it is it Kazmar on Kasmar. Twitter? Yeah. He 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 is. But he pointed something out the other day about how, like Josh Allen won't get credit for going to a Pro Bowl, but Gardner Minshew will, even though Allen was the first alternate and was asked and passed it over, because I guess how it works is, I think this is right, like. Either you get selected and you if, if you get selected and you can't go, you get credit. Right. If you if you don't go but someone else is asked and doesn't, they don't get credit until someone does. So the eleventh guy on the list, if you get down there and says, Yeah, I'll do it, he gets credit while three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten do not if they say I'm not going. I don't think the guy, if I'm being honest, the way that works, I don't think the guy that ends up going, even if he's the t- if he's a tenth guy gets asked, shouldn't shouldn't be considered a pro bowler. I, but he does. But yes, I, I know. know. I feel like they should change. I'm that. not disagreeing, but he does. Yeah, like no, like for example, like how many how many pro bowls is Tom Brady playing? Like one, two. I don't think he played in many. He was in Super Bowls, or he would skip, you know, almost every year. Um and like he goes down as a ten-time Pro Bowler, so Allen, I think, will fifteen-time Pro Bowl, fifteen. Tom right, Brady. that would that would make more sense. <laughs> right. Fifteen. There's a there's a similar story in hockey right now where, like, Sidney Crosby is getting some criticism because he skipped the draft event last night. He was in the draft event, right? Like he got picked, but he wasn't there. Um, he was skating in Minnesota, I guess. Like. Staying fresh, I guess, for the rest of the regular season. Like I, I don't know. Like he, he wasn't on in the Bahamas. He was skating in Minnesota, and I guess he's then going to fly in for the All Star game after that. And there was a thing with him for a while where he went to like two All Star games in his first like eleven years because he would always skip it. Um, and he would he was more a face of the league though. Like that maybe was worthy of more criticism than I think. Right. You know, than others should get. I don't know that anybody should. By get the that. way, Crosby. I, I saw some advanced stuff the other day. He's having like a really yes. good, like kind of rebirth renaissance year here. Yes, he is, and it's. Uh, we have time for uh, Josh. You want to have a let's get stupid real quick here? Let's have Ooh, a, let's have right. a let's get stupid because I saw this floated uh, out there the other day, and I've been waiting to get to it. And I feel like let's get stupid is the uh, the perfect avenue, the perfect vessel to uh, bring up this this Sidney Crosby related topic. I'm convinced, folks. Uh, that's pretty much the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Stupidest <laughs> thing you could have said. What are you, an idiot? Yo, you don't even know what stupid is. It's about to get all stupid up in here. 
Nation on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, let's have the stupidest of let's get stupids here. And it revolves around Sidney Crosby. I saw this being talked about by Frank Saravelli as a question from a listener at uh, the Daily Faceoff. I saw the TSN insiders talking about it as a topic. Sal, mm-hmm. Sidney Crosby, could he demand a trade out of Pittsburgh? Because oh, no. he Come is on. having a bounce back year, an incredible year. He's on like a 100 point pace. His team is super old and not very good. They're barely, I think they're like, are they two points above the Sabres? Like eight points out of a playoff spot? And they're staring at missing the playoffs again, which I think would make it like two of the last three or something like that. So, any thought to this? You think Crosby just rest of his career he'll give to Pittsburgh even if they're not very good? Uh, so you're talking rest of the career, not necessarily this year. Right? Let's let's say like uh, by the off season, by this off season, they they continue to plummet. They don't play well. They miss the playoffs. They're not even really in the race. Mm-hmm. Um, does he just give them the rest of his career? He might. I mean, he might. No. He might want to just be a penguin for life. But I, I, he, he might. No, I think he might. He think he would have. It's not a you walk into the office and demand it thing though. It's a hey, we need to have a conversation. Like, mm-hmm. I'd like one more shot at this, and obviously it's not going to happen here, so what do we want to do? He, They're seven points out, by the way, of a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Sidney Crosby, There's like I'm just reading more and more. Like There are people that are... We're at that stage of it. Remember like the original stage of the Jack Eichel you know, trade discussions? Yeah. The first stage of that was... People in other places writing, hey, what could this our team give to get Jack Eichel? And the response would be, you guys are idiots. He's not available. They're not trading Jack Eichel. It's not going to happen. That, I feel, is where we're at with the Crosby stuff. It's, you know, not many, but here and there. A blog here, a blog there. Could this happen? I'm not even going to mention the Sabres for this, by the way. I think that's what everyone's waiting for, because Let's Get Stupid is a, like the dumbest of the dumb. I can't even bring mm-hmm. myself to, to, to tie the two together. I, can't, I just can't even, I can't even do it. You know, you know what makes me mad when I think about this, by the way? Is yeah, the Sabres, I would love for the Sabres to be like in that discussion of, we're not even to the point where, oh, you know what? Maybe the Sabres are a team that a guy like that would want to go to and help him get... It's not even there anymore. You, you can't even have those discussions, right? Because they're so far back. Nobody like, you know, you're a Crosby, whoever. Mm-hmm. Patrick Kane, right? Free agent. Like, what was the discussion there? Yeah, it's not really. They're not ready yet to even really compete there. I want to be in those discussions at some point. I'm not even going to talk about the old guys. Just people who say, hey, that is something I might want to look at here. Yeah. Let's talk more about that when we come back. State of the Sabres. We haven't done a lot on that. This week. Let's check in. Devin Levi's down in Rochester playing well, I guess. Mm. So there is some hockey happening uh, this week. Casey Middlestat, I know, is skating with his University of Minnesota team, and he's worthy of talking about in all of this right now because of contract stuff. So where are the Sabres are at? And while we're on hockey, when we come back, if you listen to me enough, you know I am obsessed with the idea of the NHL and just the best of the best getting back to an international tournament 
where everybody mm-hmm. is playing together. And we have some news on that that I'll I'll have for you when we come back on an international hockey tournament. So we'll get some hockey in before the weekend. Coming up next, Jeremy off today. It's Joe and Sal. This is WGR. You're 27 years old. You're retired. I'm 46. <laughs> hey, you're retired. I need more strokes. Who do I talk to? Hey, Tom. Hi, how you doing? This is my dad. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. I love your son. Oh, you <laughs> yeah, that. he's a, he's a, great he's a good kid. Sure is. It's Josh Allen, Tom Brady, and Josh Allen's dad? Josh Allen's dad is his caddy for this, apparently. Okay. Oh, he is? That's cool. Joel. I've gotten to know Joel. He's, he's, he's a really... Really nice guy. The family's nice people. They're they're at a lot of the road games. Obviously, sometimes we'll go. You know, to the um, I'll go out to some of the Bills backers places at these road trips, guys. And mm-hmm. Josh's mom and dad are there, and they 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 just take in the scene with Bills fans. It's awesome. And his dad, I, I think you might know this. His dad's a really good singer. He actually sang the national anthem at a Wyoming Wyoming Cowboys uh, football game last year. Wow. And. Uh... There he is hanging out with uh, Tom Brady. That's that's got to be really cool to uh, just you know yeah. to, to be a dad. Your son's an elite quarterback in the league, and like you're going yeah. you're going to pe- hey, you want to go to Pebble Beach this week and play golf with Tom Brady? Hang out with Tom Brady? You know you might not even like Tom Brady. Although I'm guessing Josh does because there's that picture you see once in a while from when he was like a teenager wearing a Tom Brady jersey. Anyways, nobody needs to know that exists anyway. Uh, so the Pebble Beach Pro-Am continues right now. Patrick Cantlay is in the lead, uh, if you're wondering. So we got into some hockey stuff in the end of the last segment. just want to pass along this news from Frank Saravelli of the Daily Faceoff that the NHL and the NHLPA uh, is going to announce this afternoon an international tournament next year hosted in Montreal and Boston, but the catch is it's not like a full-on World Cup. It's only Canada, the U.S., Sweden, and Finland, which I'll take. All I want to do, really, like that I've been yelling about for years, all I want to do is see this generation of American players play Canada because I I truly believe they might, they might be better right now because of how much talent has uh-huh. come in but we haven't seen it tested because they haven't played a legit NHL tur- or best on best tournament in like a decade. So y- you're only getting four. I by the way think that uh sell the only reason they're doing this is because the NHL's kind of afraid to they don't really know what to do with Russia right now, right? Like right. there's political stuff still there and like I don't know if they know what to do with that. The- Russia's banned from like the double IHF stuff I think right now, so or at least a lot of it. So I'm guessing that's why they're pushing it off. Olympic participation, I guess, is on track uh, as well. So, um, good news. It's you talk about USA in Canada. It, I yeah. said this the other day, and I don't know if you were on with me when I said this. Did you hear the stat I gave about uh, the LA, the LA football and LA hockey teams and Canadians? Did you hear this? Um, so I got this. I, so. I got this stat. No, you weren't because I had Dan Dunleavy on. Okay, and right. um, we were talking about it. <clears throat> I got this stat from Dave Naylor. Dave works up in Toronto, but he covers the Bills from Toronto. Mm. Really, really nice guy. Comes down. We we talk a lot about you know the, the hockey and football stuff in Toronto and Buffalo. And he had an amazing stat he gave me, and I'm like, that can't be true. I went and looked at it, and it was true. It is true. 
So the L.A. Chargers, Joe, this is last year, like around November, December. Maybe the rosters changed a little bit. The L.A. Chargers have more players with Canadian citizenship than the L.A. Kings. <laughs> Come on. Really? It's true. Yep. How is that? Uh, how many do they have? It's like six to five. Six. They have six Canadian players? The Chargers do? With with, with Canadian with citizenship. Canadian something citizenship. like, like with, yeah, I mean, there may not be someone who actually yeah. lives there full time, grew no, up yeah, there, yeah. but yeah. you know what I mean? And the L.A. Kings, from my research at the time when I did it, had only five. All right. Wow. That is, uh, we should we should make that our uh, stat of the day. Stat of the day brought to you by Seneca Gaming and Irving, home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. Um, it's crazy to yeah. think about that and how much the landscape has changed in both sports for that, right? Like yeah, football's yeah. become this international sport for sure. And, yeah. and it's trending more and more that way. Hockey is as well, but what's happened with hockey is it's really kind of like shrunk the Canadian yes. participation compared to so many of the other countries, including the United States. Yeah, the U.S. is, I mean, really, that's for me where it's like huge. Right. It's again, I'm so desperate to see it tested because look at look at the centers. that a team. If you built a Team USA right now for this tournament or for the Olympics, look at the centermen that you could put up against Canada. Because that's always where they would have an advantage is like they have, you know, they had their Crosbys and they had their, you know, way back when you had Gretzky and Lemieux and whatnot. And now you've got Austin Matthews. You've got Jack Eichel and Jack Hughes. You've got Dylan Larkin. I mean, a year ago, I would have told you you had Tage Thompson. I don't know if he's having you know a season or is going to have seasons good enough to be on Team USA. I think he might still. You've got your Kachucks still running around out there, and then goalie. They've got like two of the best goalies in the world. Connor Hellebuck's back as like the Vesna favorite this year. He's American. Adam Fox won the Norris. He's American. There's just. It's it's really tempting. I want to. I really want to see it. I'm excited for uh, for next year. I might even yeah. go. I went to the World Cup in 2016. I've never been to Montreal. Yeah. It'd be a cool trip. Yeah, you know what? That's one we we keep talking about too. I'd love to go. I haven't been over there. Haven't been to a game there. Would love to go. It's just the his, the history of it. I've heard it's a fantastic city, but for sure, I'd love to do that. It just to go to circle back to kind of you know dovetailing into the Sabers here. Yeah. It just takes so much of a luster off it sometimes because this team just can't get to where they should be. I know. You know I, want, I want it to be – I'm more excited to do any of that, any hockey-related stuff, when the Sabres are better. And it's not necessarily related directly, but the feeling of it is, right? Like, yeah, yeah I got this team. You're more excited about it, the sport itself, all of that. I thought it was a big reason why when the World Juniors were here – what is that now, four years ago, five years ago? And a lot of those games were empty – I really thought about where the Sabres were at as a as a reason why that was happening. Because when the World Juniors were here in 2011, I, at least the way I remember it, is those buildings were full and it was exciting and everybody was pumped up for that. And they still were to some degree for when it was back here five years ago, but it was not the same. It was not the same at all. And I think that's what a 13, I can't even say a decade anymore, 13 years of playoff drought that no NHL team has ever ha- had happened to, that's what it's going to do to a fan base. It's amazing that like, there is as much support and emotion about it even now. I mean, other teams just wouldn't care. Why did the, why did the Atlanta Thrashers move? I mean, it's not a, a, a natural hockey market, but they went 
I think it was 14 years, or maybe it was 13 years for them, where they never won a playoff game. In their whole franchise existence, they never won a playoff game. But it's Atlanta. So what ended up happening? Fans didn't get angry. They just don't they just didn't care. They never cared. They just didn't even know the team existed. This team still has people upset, which you know, that almost should be looked at as a good thing that people haven't not everybody, a lot have, everybody's checked out when it's it's got to be easy to check out right now when they got the way they played last year got everyone's hopes back up for what they could be coming into this year. This is maybe, this is arguably like the most frustrating and depressing year of this playoff drought. It's got to be in contention because you've had a bunch of years like this. I mean, you've had maybe eight of them where they're, oh, look, they're 10 points out Mm -hmm. going into February. And, well, if they just get like a six-game win streak, we're right back in that thing. I mean, that's every year. But the difference this year is... The team got everybody's hopes back up with by by missing the playoffs only by one last last season, which I think makes this year even more excruciating. Did you see the late? Uh, there's an you know we all get emails, you and I do, people at the station all the time about latest odds for things and betting on things because you know these uh-huh. sports, these gambling websites want you to promote them. So guess what? I'm going to do that right now because I got one yesterday. Sportsbetting.ag sent me one. Uh, next. I, Excuse me, next NHL coach to be fired. Okay. And I knew it. I'm like, I'm going to open this up, and Don Granato is going to be at the top of the list. And sure as heck he is. Yep. Next NHL coach to be fired by the gambling odds. Don Granato, 2 to 1. Then it's Todd McClellan in LA at 5 to 2. Lindy at 7 to 2 is third on the list. Yeah. Well, that's that's the next move, isn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't know what else is. They're not. If there is. Yeah. Yeah. They're not firing the general manager. I don't have a lot of confidence right now they're gonna they're I mean that they're gonna make like a big swing trade. I just haven't seen it from this GM yet. So it could happen. I just don't have much evidence. They're not gonna remake the roster. That would be psychotic with what they've rebuilt here, so that's not happening. Like I like Don Granado. I'm not advocating they fire him, especially when I believe if they did that right now, they would probably make Seth Appert the head coach. And I don't know how different that is in the first place. But isn't the only move that would like kind of you know make sense for like big change you know who who falls on the sword for the season going the way it did it isn't the conversation moving on from Granado and bringing in some proven winner like a Gerard Gallant or of course people are gonna I know latch on to Brindamore because he might become available mm-hmm well that would be I think the the one you get to but here's the issue with all of that if you want to call it an issue so I can't see. Joe, you're to the point of no return here of what are you really doing if you fire Don Granado right now? It would have to be in the offseason to me. I'm going to put myself mm-hmm. in Kevin Adams' shoes here for a second. I'm not talking. I know people could think and go, what do you mean? you got to move on from him right now. You need, you know, you got to change something. I get that. I'm saying if you're Kevin Adams, if you're Terry Pagula, Kim Pagula, Terry Pagula, you say, okay, what, what are you getting if you do it now? You're not going to, you're still not going to make your 10 points out. Like mm-hmm. you, you make a change like that sometimes, and I know it's happened. Like the Blues are the famous example of when they went on that great run, they won the cup. But come on, you, if you do it now, what's really going to change this year? Nothing really. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of to the point of no return there, and you're obviously not making a trade now that's going to help you get there because if you make a trade to get you there, you're trading prospects. You're probably not going to make the playoffs anyway, and then you're without the prospects anymore. So that doesn't make sense. So the only thing I can see here is 
you're riding out the year and then making decisions at the end of the season. Yeah. No, I agree. In in that Blues example, like that does get brought up a lot. It's worth remembering that when the Blues that season where they won the cup, they fired Mike Yo and they hired Craig Berube as their head coach. They did that on November 19th. Mm. It's okay. February 2nd. Right. That's like, right. It's not near the same. The Blues were in last place, sure, uh, at one point in time. But we were talking, I mean, when they fired the coach, at least, it was 19 games into the season. It's very different. I agree with you. Like, I don't know what the point is of doing it right now. You're 10 points out. This is this season right. is sunk. I just, it's hard for me. They'd have to be the best team in the league from here to the rest of the way and maybe even still not get in. Um, like, that's how dire it is. So they're heading for another deadline where I just, you can't talk about buying, right? Nope. Like, there's there's no, that, where's the point of that even? Unless you're talking about, you know, a move that helps you for multiple years. I mean, they could do that. Like a hockey trade, but like who's who's doing that? Like, who's, like, what other team is in position? Yeah. The trade deadline is more for... The, the, the buyer. buyers of the buyer of I'm trying to get over the yeah. so those are the teams that are going to get those guys no you're right like that's more of, we're talking more of like an off season move that's another <laughs> that's another reason why it just gets so frustrating right it's like all the moves that would make sense that would kind of you know give you some you know a little juice back like none of that makes sense to happen until May and June and July and that's where like we're just kind of waiting right. again I mean there will be guys to evaluate the guy. That I guess they could decide to sell now if they don't plan on having a long-term future with him is Casey Middlestat. Like, would a team be willing to give? And that's by the way, that's an if. That's if they don't want to pay him, which is worth talking about now because Middlestat told Lance Lysowski of the Buffalo News last week or two weeks ago that they have not approached him about a contract, and that should be taken as at least a little bit weird because the Sabers pay everybody early. They paid Matias Samuelson after 50 games. They paid Owen Power after one good season as a rookie. They pay Tage mm-hmm. Thompson after one good season. Cousins after a year and a half. Like, Middlestat is working on two really good years in a row here. He's their leader in scoring. They haven't gone to him? Like, I, I don't know that has to mean that they're not wanting to pay him ex- or extend him long term, but... It has to make you wonder whether or not they think paying, whether they think that this group deserves another member of the core getting a long-term extension. I, he's he's an RFA, right? You right? So, yep. and those guys were going to be too. It wasn't like they were going to be UFAs, right? I don't think. Correct. I don't Correct. Know yep. If I remember right, but could could arbitration that is that would that be a something they could do with with him? And I mean, I not that you love doing that. I get it. You don't, but I think the only thing you're worried about is I have no idea where he is on this or mm-hmm. whether he's talked about. I mean, he said, you, you should take him in his word. He said the words, I, I don't want to be anywhere else. So at this point right. in time, that's what he said on it. But you've had situations in the past, different situations, where basically a Sam Reinhart, or in Calgary this happened a bunch, Matthew Kachuk did this to Calgary, where they said, all right, I'm an RFA. I'm one year away from you, from unrestricted free agency. I'll sign a contract with you, but it's only going to be that one year, and, I'm, and you're going to walk me to unrestricted free agency. So you're opening yourself up to that possibility if you go into the offseason, if you go into arbitration as well, where you're kind of going into a lame duck year with Casey Middlestat next season. I would just pay him, I think. I mean, he's their leading scorer, 
I, it's tough because they have so many forward prospects coming. You know, they're eventually going to have to make a two for one type of trade because we've talked about this with Middlestat. The trading him at this deadline for someone's best prospect and a first round pick. I mean, that, that's nice. Go throw it on the pile over there. Like, what? What? What do we? Right, what do you need right, that yes. for? So it's it's that's a right. very interesting situation, I think, with Middlestat in general. That all of it. 8030550 is the phone number. Extendo Sports when we come back. There's a story in the NBA that I want to touch on when we come back that Charles Barkley um was talking about last night and it's a story that has like a clock on it. By midnight tonight, something's got to happen for a guy and if you're not aware of it, stay tuned because Barkley was talking about it. We'll play the audio from him uh when we come back here on WGR. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550, 2020 Sports. Extendo Sports. I read an article yesterday. Tony Snell? Yeah. Needing to be signed. By the end of this week, because he's got two kids with autism, and he needs to play to the end of the year to get a 10-year medical Right. To help him take care of his two autistic kids. I'm hoping, you know, man, the NBA has been great to all of us sitting up here. Uh, you know, and you guys going to be playing basketball forever, making a gazillion dollars. I hope one of you guys sign Tony so his two autistic kids can get great medical care. I read that article. Oh, so, uh... Can't really. I can't. I'm not even going to add anything on that. Just amen to what Charles Barkley just mm-hmm. said. There's a guy in the NBA right. who is literally like he needs a 10 day contract, or maybe it's to the end of the season. Whatever. He needs one more contract to qualify for ten for tenure or whatever for the NBA retirement assistant program. And like, I I, I don't want to call out one organization, but I did looking at the Pistons. The Pistons are six and forty one. Like just, just, just do it, right? Like, what's the harm? Someone just do it. That'd be a really cool story in sports if that were to happen by the end of today. He has six, seven, eight, nine, ten seasons. Yes, yeah, so or that is. I'm just looking at his reference page. Yeah, see how long he's been at league. He's played 600 games. Right, right, we're not, right. It's not like it's a guy that's just been like, right. You know, you're doing. I mean, it, um, a charity situation like entirely. He just needs. He just needs one more little contract from a bad team. That's it. Joe, before we wrap up, if I can, I was going to do this on an extra point show today. And um, I just want everybody to know I'm not like getting paid to say this or anything like that because, you know, we do endorsements. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just finished listening to the audiobook of Unbreakable by Jay Glazer. Oh, and yeah. it's really amazing. It's been awesome for me. It's um, for if you're dealing with anything in life, like there's a lot of different ways to kind of, you know, help yourself or do different things. I'm just saying for, for different reasons, everybody's got it. But Jay Jay Glazer, I didn't know. Like he really suffer he suffers from depression and anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, he does amazing things now and he's got his MVP team with in the ring and the athletes and all the people he works with, the uh, the the veterans. It's just it was really really good for me for a lot of different reasons and um I just want to kind of tell everybody out there like, "Hey, I'm just recommending this book. If you want to go out and buy it for yourself, just put you in a good spot. It was really good for me. So anyway, yeah. just want to throw that out there. I'm not getting paid to say it, nothing like that. Maybe yeah. I'm hoping to hook up with Jay to talk about him at some point, talk about it. But it was a really – I did the audio book. Yeah. I'm not much of a reader. I like to listen when I can. 
Uh, really, really great stuff for me. What's the name of the book? Unbreakable. It's Unbreakable. Okay, because I was just going to say, I've listened to, he has a podcast called Unbreakable, um, which is like a mental wealth podcast. He's only done a couple yes. episodes. I think he maybe just started it at the new year. Um and it I wouldn't heard, surprise me. Yeah, he had John Lynch on the other day. He's yep. I've heard him talk about Andy Reid and how like part of the reason that you know it, like whenever if you ever hear like news about Andy Reid, it probably come from Jay Glazer. Is they have had a relationship over the years about what Jay's gone through and Andy Reid, of mm-hmm. course, losing his you know his his son young and he's had yep. stuff like that in his personal life. So yeah, it's it's really good stuff. Like there's so much more. You know, that's going on with a lot of these guys, and Jay Glazer like gets into a lot of that. And that's on the podcast. So in the book, I'm sure he goes into oh, it even more in depth. It is amazing. Yeah. And um, he has and, – and a big reason for me to read it was because he I, – I, I think Jay and I are very kind of similar. Our personalities – I know people say we look alike a little bit, but he's this <laughs> uh-huh. super high-energy, up-tempo guy. And, you know, but he's got these other things in his life that are – you know, that he's gone through. And – I, I I wanted to kind of hear his perspective on these kinds of things, and that's it right there. What you just talked about, mm. the relationships he's built with a lot of the people in the NFL and through all these things he's been through and they've been through, super amazing. And he really gets into the, like the the how he got a lot of the, mm. the, the where he is now, what he went through, and some of the stories. Gets at the end of the book, it's all about like. He had the only tape of Spygate. He, the guy had it. Yeah. He had the only one. All the others were destroyed, right? So there's a lot of good football stuff in there. I will tell you there's a, there's quite a bit of swearing. He 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 does yep. drop quite a few bombs. But it's all it's really good. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh highly recommended on my end. What do you got uh what do you got going on this weekend? This weekend, ooh, um, so tonight a uh, oh I can't say it's a, it's a surprise party for somebody tonight, so I can't really get into that. Well, yeah, uh, that I have to attend. Now to... everybody you know is wondering, <laughs> am I yeah getting thrown a surprise party? Anyway, <laughs> we can move on past that. We'll be attending. Uh, what am I doing this weekend? We have it's always sports going on right now. We've been doing um, Joe Licata's quarterback camp on Saturday afternoons nice. for Max. It's been really Joe's great. He's just so great with the kids the way he works with them, and he does it for all different age levels. So we've been doing that. Um, We've been doing, um, you know, we got baseball winter workouts going on. So it's always something dealing with mm-hmm. sports going on, and that will be uh, no change this weekend. We are, uh, we'll be tearing down some walls. We're not, next, next house I'd rather house be project. doing the sports. Yeah, next house project. But tearing yeah. them down is not I bad. Was, that's right. I was going to say, you said earlier, like, the demo part is, like, the one thing yeah. that's, like, you, you don't have to know a lot. Like, you got to know where not to hit, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> pretty much right. it. Grab a sledgehammer. This area right here. Hit that. Knock it down. Pull it down. So we'll be doing a lot of that this weekend. Plus golf simulator season. Got to got to hit up the golf who's who's, that, who's got extra points? Josh and Zach today. Josh and We're Zach here. have the extra point show. It's just going to be two hours of Xavier Worthy uh, profile. <laughs> I'm sure. I do know this. They have because um, I know uh, Coach Pete Lembo is going to join them today, and uh, Josh nice. and Zach will talk to him. He's the new UB football coach, so that'll be cool. All right. Stay tuned for that, and stay tuned for Zach and Josh. Line them up on the phone lines. They'll be willing to take them. By the way, if you've been looking for like the, the Pro-Am, I completely messed that up earlier. It's in California. The, the thing I've been watching for the last hour is not live. So it oh. doesn't get going for, uh, for a couple of hours, if you're wondering. Anyways, Extra Point Show coming up next. Stay tuned. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Over here. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.